Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date, Star Trek edition, week 13, which I guess is more like week 26, and there were some other weeks thrown in where we didn't do it, so it's like week 35 or something. Uh, I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. I mean, in series, it's week 13. Yes, that's what I, that's why I led with that, but we're just to be accurate. We're comparing the, the 13th episode of each of the five Star Trek series. Because we can. That's the same reason Kirk wanted to climb... That mountain, that cliff, where was he climbing? Yosemite? Where was he? He was he? climbing El Capitan, right? Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. At Yosemite. Yeah. In uh, uh, Star Trek V, a movie we will get to in 15 years. Um, uh, let, me, let me set the table for you right here, dude. The place? Cascade. A hard-scrabbled <laughs> northwestern city. The man? Detective Jim Ellison. Former Army Ranger. And jungle enthusiast. <laughs> I'm I'm the sentinel today. Today I'm the sentinel. You are. You you burgy it up. I just friend. want everyone to remember the sentinel. That it was a show that happened. It wasn't on the same nights as Malcolm and Eddie. It was yeah. a different night. Yes. I, our entire podcast <clears throat> serves as one giant reminder of the sentinel. <laughs> And also of seven days. That's correct. I believe those two are in, the same It's an night. in memoriam for that lineup. Dude, that lineup was so... No, it wasn't good. It wasn't no, great. No, it was not good. But no, it was... Definitely... It was, it was definitely one of the channels we could get in our bedroom. And actors were employed. Yes. Probably some grips and assistant grips as well. That's correct. I think that was actually why the shows weren't very good. It was Maybe a key grip. Of grips, assistant grips, and key grips. There weren't actually any... Directors, producers, cinematographers, anything like that. So they were all just making it up as they went along. Anyway, back to Star Trek. Matthew, this week, um, this week we watched The Conscience of the King. <laughs> Lovely. The skies are green and glowing. Oh no. Where my heart is, where. Um, <clears throat> what did I? What happened in this dumb episode? The Kirk gets a call from the survivor of a colonial disaster. Yeah, who has um, he's got actors. Actors have come to his planet, and he thinks one of them is Kodos the Executioner. Yep. Uh, uh, he calls uh, he calls Captain Kirk because he was also uh, a rare eyewitness, uh, and then he gets killed. And then Kirk brings the actors on board the ship and eventually dis- discovers that he is Kodos the Executioner. Yeah. Um, they really, they, I think they killed some of the drama by having that guy with the whole head patch. Yep. Having him be correct from the beginning about that guy being Kodos. Yep. 
not a lot of drama there. Yeah, Kirk, I guess, theoretically was um, on this colony for some reason in some capacity yep, at the time explained. when Kodos the Executioner was doing his executioning. Which, by the way, seems to have been maybe one single event. I think so. I think he just rounded up half the colony and killed them so the other half would have enough food or whatever. Is that is that right? Well, so here is... Uh, as we're diving into it. No, I, wanna, most... I want to explain the crazy plot of this episode so that if anybody maybe wasn't clear on it or didn't watch it, they'll have some idea what the hell's happening. The most I... frustrating thing about this episode to me was every time we hear about what happened on Tarsus 4, it's a little different. <laughs> yeah. So... What we hear initially was that Kodos was the governor of Tarsus IV. Yes. And a space fungus wiped out their food supply. Something like that, correct? Whereupon he declared martial law. Right. And executed half of the population, totaling 4,000 people. Okay. So That makes it, by the way, by far the most populated colony the Enterprise has ever been anywhere near. Yeah, no, for sure. Must have been a pretty big one. Yeah. Uh, So that the other half could eat the remaining food, I guess. And then... In kind of a blow to his reputation, the supply ships arrived like a week later. Yes. So, I don't know how they... His face was that one up. His face was quite red. But, and here is the thing, they throw in a little nugget in the first telling Mm. that he picked them based on his own theories of eugenics. Oh, yeah, that is is the theory of why he picked those people. Uh, However, later... It seems that the story is that Kodos was the victor in some kind of revolution? Yeah. So, like, was he not the governor? Did did he become the governor after the revolution? Yes, I think... And is that the same thing as the martial law? I think they may have been separate incidents. I think... I think the ideas that theoretically, according to the survivors, led him to choose the people, probably had something to do with his ideas of his revolution. Yeah. And so that's why, I think that's why they assume what those people were picked to be killed. I'm not sure we actually learn, I don't think he confesses to that part. He de- he describes himself as a revolutionary. Yes, but I think what he says is, I had to kill half so half would live, and he doesn't really get into why he picked no. the half. So it's just like, it's not super clear what happened on this planet. Yeah. Whether he had power to start with or established power in some way. I'm going to take it a step further and say it's purposefully unclear. Because yeah. you just start in it. You just start in the in it. You're, so they're in so- the theater and the guy's like, that guy's Kodos the Executioner! And you're like, I don't know who that is. Why? What's happening right now? Yeah, that's fun. I mean, it does start with the very weird note. Uh, like, almost the first thing that Kirk says is an Arcturian Macbeth. And I'm like, oh, what does that mean? I don't know. Kodos doesn't seem to be Arcturian. I don't know what an Arcturian is. Looks like a regular is. human to me. Are Arcturians, maybe the people, the planet's Tarsus 4? Yes. I have no idea what an Arcturian is. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, this Macbeth that they're watching is some kind of special Macbeth. Yeah. I mean, in Mass Effect, there's an Elcor Hamlet. Oh, really? Yeah. Man, you are... You're deep on the Mass Effect. No, I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, so it does start right in the middle of this thing. So here's the thing for me. Okay. Uh, I thought this is going to be a question about... This is an episode that's a question of sort of command decisions about making hard decisions or something like that. Mm. And that Kodos' story would play in. It's kind of not. No, that. It, no that's it's not what I It's kind of had. not that. 
but I can see that. I mean, they talk about it. Mostly, Kodos talks about it, but no one's no one buys it, so it doesn't go anywhere. There's it no doesn't. conversation about it because everyone just goes, "Shut up!" And it's not like Kirk has to make a hard decision at any point in this, so that he has to face the same thing Kodos faced. Now, Ooh, who's right. evil? Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm um, with you. What? What was this about? I came up with, uh, uh, well, it's something about revenge. I, I have it written here as revenge serves no useful purpose or doesn't redress old wounds or whatever. But to me, it's like Kirk and Riley, not that he really matters, and Facepatch and all those dudes, they all want to kill Kodos, the executioner, because they remember all the shit that he did. Facepatch sure does. Facepatches. <laughs> By the way, when he saw his body out in the field or whatever, mm-hmm. Marshawn goes, is he trying to hide? <laughs> Boy, that would be the worst way to hide with your legs all sticking out and everything. Yep. I don't think they can see me. I can't he's, see them. He's like a cat. That's exactly what it is. His <laughs> head's covered, so. Um, Every time someone is to his left, he thinks he's hidden from them. Yeah, so I, I was like, well, I don't know. I mean, if he's the worst guy ever at hiding, maybe he's hiding. Um, but at Kirk comes to realize, partially because Spock and McCoy are on him and 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 for other reasons, that killing Kodos isn't going to save all the dudes that died at his hand. My only problem with this take that I that I've gleaned from this episode is that that kind of cuts off with 12 minutes left. Yeah. And the rest of the episode is just a, like a twist that everyone saw coming, that the daughter yeah, is really the, killing everyone. Yeah, the most everyone. obvious twist is that the daughter is killing people so that they don't. Yes, to to give Marjan credit because I threw her under the bus for asking if that guy was hiding. She picked off the lady, did he, the lady being the one to do it. I don't know. As soon as the lady walked into the room the first time, yeah. So, um, sort of. That's what I got. I got. It's like, oh, he wants his revenge, hella bad. But now maybe he realizes after seeing, after encountering the crazy old man, that it's not really going to do him any good to kill the dude and just to let him. Let, I I hope let justice take its course, but it kind of seems like the alternative is like I don't know. I'll just let it go. Doesn't it really seem like he's going to pull up a card on this one and tell Kodos I don't there, have the right. There's no law to, to fit his crimes. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no, dog, there hell is. There's like it's, 50. The Big murder one. is still a law. Yeah. We know it's not a death penalty offense because he didn't go anywhere near Talos 4. If he had done that, he would have been caught a long time ago. That's what yeah. they care about. <clears throat> That's the only only important thing left in the Federation. But uh, what's um, what's this revenge isn't in real good? What's that take worth to you? I gave it a better rating than I could write. Like, I couldn't write out what they were trying to say in a way that sounded good, but I gave it a 7, because I feel like (laughs) it was... I picked it up, it was in there, I get it, it's very Roddenberry, it's very sci-fi. He's been harboring this ill will, though we just found out about it this episode, for years or whatever, and he finally gets face-to-face with the guy, and he's like, uh, he's just a crazy old man, like, whatever. So I'm looking back at, um, at the battle. Hmm. Uh, yep. And the battle, you actually gave the premise an 8. Right. <clears throat> so, I will grant you that the premise is is less good in this one. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, and also, they do a real good job of just saying the premise. Star Trek The Next Generation is excellent at that. It, yeah, in many, in many cases, it is true. And this week is one where what I eventually took as the premise is something that comes right out of Riker's mouth. I believe I did as well. Yep. I believe I was struggling with TNG until the end, and I went, oh, Riker fixed it. Yep. Oh, he fixed that one for me. Yep. <clears throat> uh, it does make sense, though, once you once you hear his take. You, yeah. Then you realize why the episode is not what you thought it was going to be up until <laughs> right. then. Um, okay, so... 
this is the one of all of the episodes I watched this week, and with the possible exception of Enterprise, which we'll get to at the end, for which I never did find a good replacement for my cynical take. Okay. Uh, this is the one I had the hardest time locking down what it was about. So here's what I think this is. Okay. This episode is... This episode is about Kirk's reluctance to investigate this at all. Hmm. Uh, so what I have is, could you bring yourself to investigate the worst episode from your past? You mean because he's kind of ticked off that the guy called him there, and he's like, well, you called me here for this bullshit? I thought you had special food technology that you came up with or something. Well, it's like he he feels like he has an obligation to investigate after Leighton dies, but he sort of takes every step to not investigate it. Like, he doesn't talk to Spock about it. He stops listening to the library tapes about Kodos about halfway through. Hmm. He, even when Spock gives him the voice print analysis, he's like, this, this isn't, this isn't anything. He, he's like, he's determined not to, for the man not to be Kodos. Yeah. And then See, in the end, the daughter kills him and it, it doesn't matter whether he's Kodos or not. It's true. They fix that one. Fixes that one. But it's just like, he's not, this is not Kirk. <clears throat> this is not purposeful driven Kirk. Now, maybe I caught something you didn't or listened to the episode differently, but I I thought I thought Spock picked up early in the episode that Kirk was up to more than he seemed to be. Oh, for sure. That he was not just banging a teenager as always, that yeah, he no. had some other ideas. And I a thought a hundred percent right that Spock picks up that something is wrong early. I, I think it's that it wasn't it that Kirk is investigating, but he's doing it his his own way, where he, he's gonna sex this girl and get to the old man and figure if out said, if he's really Kodos or whatever. If he said to Spock, hey, I think this might be Kodos the Executioner, the episode ends ten minutes later when Spock verifies that it's Kodos the Executioner. <laughs> yes, well, yes, that is absolutely the case. I'm not saying that it's, it's intentional, but he's, like, self-sabotaging. Oh, yes. I, yeah, I just chalked that up to they don't know how to write, like, a whole plot. Um... And, you know, he's he's twisted up about his own motivations in this episode. Like, I don't want to... There is a scene where they're like, is this just vengeance? And he's like, I don't know. Yes, that's true. Um, it's just... This whole thing throws Kirk off his game entirely. Anyway, I only gave it a three for execution. Okay. Uh, of my admittedly constructed premise. But it's... I really feel like in this episode, Kirk doesn't want him to be Kodos. I think that's true. Like, he finds out also that Riley is an eyewitness. He doesn't just go there with Riley. No, he fucking look moves at Riley. He, moves he fucking moves Riley down to the bowels of the ship. And he's like, no, just get down there. Just drink just drink your milk and bother Uhura. <laughs> and, and fucking, like, just stay away from this dude because, you know... It looked like I, I, I don't. Him... I don't even want to find out whether it's Kodos. It looked like he sent him to engineering. Is that where he sent him? Yeah, he sent him to the engineering. Is that really? I thought people like liked to be in it. Like engineering was uh, a cool place to work. He no, I have, hates I, it. I have it right here in world building. Engineering is a bad assignment. He hates like it. Spock. Spock tells him in no uncertain terms he's going to think that this is a demotion. <laughs> he's going to think this is a disciplinary transfer. Ouch. And Kirk says, "I don't care." Anyway, okay. that's that's why I think this is an episode about reluctance to open old wounds. Okay, I get it. So, so I give it a six for premise and a three for execution. 
Okay. I, I gave it a 5 for execution. Um, like I said, it would have been way more effective if Kirk had just learned the lesson and then the episode ended with dude, <laughs> with the dude's capture. Instead, you get the crazy twist. Oh, no, the daughter was killing him all along, and then she kills her own dad. Um, but still, Well, they seemed to think what we would like would be to see a little more Shakespeare. Oh, my God. And every scene with the girl? Yes. The dialogue monster, dude. The dialogue monster. Turns out he was alive in the 60s. He visited this episode. Yep. Um, and I thought... Yeah, I don't have a super high opinion of theater actors. <laughs> yeah. As someone who's been to plays. Uh, to me, I was like, yeah, they do talk like that. <laughs> yes. But it was horrible. Everything that oh, lady yeah. said, I went, oh, well, I, I can't listen to this anymore. It's it's really terrible, and it's misleading, too. Like, a lot of her early dialogue really makes you think this is going to be an episode about power. Mm. She's like, you, you have command of this whole starship. You could do anything with this starship. It's like, what would you do if you had the power that my father had? Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just not. I mean, no. it's just not about that. Instead, what you get is, always later, later, latest, too late. And me sitting at home going, what the fuck? Let's yeah, honestly, along. honestly, that's that's worse than this. Games? <laughs> Did someone say game? <laughs> and perchance for interest's sake, <laughs> a deadly game? So bad. Uh, but still, uh, Kirk does get to go through the, the conscious exercise. You know what I mean? As the episode goes along and Spock gives it to him, McCoy gives him some tough love. I get what they're going for. You know what I mean? Like, they're trying to be like, oh, is revenge in itself worth anything? Yeah, so, I mean, 5 out of 10 is not a great score. It only seems good because um, cause we hate Star Trek, it turns out. Yeah, it's our least favorite series of anything. Yeah, it's so we're, it's pretty bad, and we hate it. Worst worst <laughs> franchise that was ever made. Uh, world building, did you did you come up with anything in there? Um, there's some stuff. Um, I guess Vulcan was conquered. <laughs> That's, yeah. Uh, that's a dumb throwaway line. Spock uh, talks about how Vulcans don't drink alcohol or it's like my father's race or whatever. And McCoy's like, oh, I guess that's why they were conquered, huh? What? When? Hold on. It's like, hold on. Yeah, a, what? And Tell B, us. Because they weren't drunk? <laughs> Please tell us about this. <laughs> As Bill McNeil would say, your confusing thesis has captured my attention. Please tell me more. <laughs> yes. Um... Uh, there's a nice hint in here that eugenics has been a problem in the human past. That, that, without being able to give it points for what happens later, that, that might be useful later. That's right. Um, there's such a thing as double red alert. Oh boy. That's, that's great. Like, that's like Yar's turbo sensors. Uh, it's turbo sensors. <laughs> it bypassed our Stargate. What? <laughs> what show was this? Um, uh, phasers on overload are hugely dangerous. Yeah, dude, shook the whole ship up. Blows it was up gonna good. blow up. It was gonna blow up first the whole deck, and then later several decks, depending. So, you know, as Kirk embellished the story. <laughs> That's right. Every time we told it, it got a little bit worse. Um, there's garbage chutes to outer space. I'm into that. Straight up dumped it down the trash. Yep, right outside his door is a fucking laundry chute that you can send a phaser into space with. <laughs> Um, there's a ship's theater. I think yeah. that gets much use. I just thought maybe they converted the gym, but but maybe are they doing are they doing frame of mind? Are they going to do frame of mind later? <laughs> God, I hope so. 
I think you can see some gym equipment on the walls, but he refers to it as the ship's theater. Um, so not much is the answer. Like, of course, I picked out a few things, but none of the none of that shit is important except maybe eugenics. But it's so throwaway in this. Yeah, there's they no reason. Ex- they don't explain his theory of eugenics or how it was a problem in the past before. It's just like ah, eugenics again. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's only I only give it a three for world building. I didn't think they did much work there. I originally had a synthetic food source that will cure the famine, but that was fake. That was fake. That was that, a lie. That was bait that the guy used to bring Kirk. Uh, well, okay, there's a whole backstory on Kodos and all his dang murders. I don't know what to make. I mean, that's not probably not going to appear again. Doesn't seem like it's going to come up again. I also had the Vulcans being conquered. Um, I had a question. A lot of my world building ends up as questions. Yep. What? Why did they alter her memories in the end? Yeah. Was uh, there a what, medical reason for that, or just because she was sad? Uh, I don't know. Like, I guess uh, the Tantalus prison colony turns out it's not so good. But <laughs> they were trying... They did say in that episode that altering a patient's memory engrams or whatever was an established therapeutic technique. Oh, okay. It's actually kind of consistent. It's well, just... It is just such a throwaway. They're like, okay, well, what do we... She's killed, like, eight people. What do we do about it? And they're like, I don't know, like, just, like, deal? erase her everything, including her dad, from her memory, whatever. Yep. Or, or did they just erase it so that she thought her dad was still alive? I wasn't I, clear. I think, I think that she thinks her dad is still alive. Does she think still think he's Kodos? That's gonna be a is real problem. Is she still worried that he's, like, roaming around and people are gonna discover that he's Kodos? Yeah, that's a real problem. I feel like that's just gonna cause the same situation again. It's just such a tag, like, and it didn't need to be there. We don't need no. to know what happens to her. She yeah, goes who, to jail. She's a murderer. Yeah, who fucking cares? Eh, anyway. It um, is, it's, it's purely because the writers decided that they should make it seem like maybe Kirk really did like her. Yeah, and so he went easy. I don't know why he would have the power to do that, except that apparently Starfleet captains have the power to do everything. So. Even when she calls him on and is like, did you do your one trick on me? <clears throat> and he's That's like, right. at first. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I, I originally, well, I'll give, it, I'll give it a four for continuity points. Because of that... Uh... Because of that prison treatment issue? I originally had a four, then I knocked it down to a three, but I'm going to keep it at a four. Okay. Because it feels like they were at least consistent that that is a thing that happens. This episode's climbing for you. Or at least you've scored higher than me in every category. Yes. I didn't think it was a real good episode. Like I told you, I've got got some surprises in hand this week. Yeah. Um. Characterization. Um. Sometimes Kirk being Kirk is fun, and sometimes it's gross. (laughs) Like, do the ladies always have to be so young? Yeah, real good question. Does it always have to be 18 or 19? Do they always have to explicitly tell us that she is still a teenager? Yeah, I mean, this is hot on the heels of the menagerie, where they went to great pains to point out that Vina was 18. And that wasn't technically Kirk, it was Pike, but same thing. But it's the same character. Yeah. We watched that and agreed that uh, Pike was the identical in, in terms of characteristics. Yes, other than the fact that he hated being captain, he was the same as Kirk. And we, we talked about it. That's resolved by the end of the episode. That's right. <laughs> um, Kirk got to learn a lesson about vengeance. Uh, that relates to my um, my take. Uh, dagger to the face for that for that young blonde chick from Yeoman Rand when she came onto the bridge. Oh, for sure. That was Yeoman Rand, I believe, her only appearance in that episode. Yeah, well, this was her last day on set. She's... She already knew she was being fired, so 
she may have been able to find some emotions to put into that look. She but she did fucking shoot daggers right at her. Walks off the turbo lift onto the bridge and just stares at that chick like, who the fuck are you? Um, Bitch, I'm Yeoman Rand. <laughs> that was it. So that's it for her? That's it? Uh, no, sorry. B- because they shot it out of order, she okay. will appear briefly in next week's episode. Okay. Well, everybody get ready, because this is going to be the end of Yeoman Ran. Um, uh, Uhura got to sing for all the white people. She sure did. Uh, that white guy is like, sing for me! And then she sings, and they, she said, the whole audience is just a bunch of white people. And you just go, hmm, I don't really like how this is going. Something mm-hmm. uncomfortable about all of this. I mean, it's not the first time we've seen her sing. Yes, that's true. She, uh... That, she causes she causes trouble by singing in Charlie X. Like singing about dong. Yeah, how Spock's, Spock's green dong is going to dong you too good? Yeah, you got to watch out for that dong. Um, Spock knows Kirk really well, knows him so well, because as soon as he's courting this chick, he's like, "Oh no, there's something going on here. This ain't this isn't his regular I'm banging teenagers all day. Don't bother me routine." Uh, no, and Mac- McCoy just wants everybody to relax and not be so damn serious all the time. And he just wants to be left alone so he can drink. That's exactly correct. Um, I gave it a five. I okay. thought it was pretty consistent and um, some good, some bad. Uh, I also thought it was about a five in terms of characterization. I think it's a little out of character for Kirk to keep Spock out of the loop. Maybe like, he's punishing we've him We've seen for... them be more conspiratorial, but this is my thought also, is in-universe... He uh, he is reevaluating things after uh, Spock's little trick last week. I like when we get to make up the re- the alternate reasons for yeah. these things happening because normally the answer is just they don't know what they're writing. They're writing bad, but I mean, also my theory is that he knows that if he gets Spock involved, he's going to have to like do something. He's going to have to deal with this thing. Yeah. Um, why does Spock sit on his good good evidence about the acting troupe until the last possible moment? Like. <laughs> It's not clear at all that Kirk knew that everywhere that acting troop visited, a survivor was killed. Yeah, I was surprised that they went that blatant with it. Spock works it out and then goes and talks to McCoy about like what he should do instead of just going to Kirk. Yeah, maybe Kirk had he, he holds been on to that for another whole, twenty minutes. Shoulder. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, I did sort of like that Kirk seemed to be acting more slowly and cautiously because he knew he was emotionally involved. That seems reasonable, like a reasonable person. Like he wasn't just I'm mad, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be more mad. <laughs> yep. Um. So again, it's sort of mixed. A couple of good things and a couple of odd things. Um, of course, I wrote Uhura sings again. Hmm. Um, what what is entertainment on this ship? Let's just use that as an intro to the quick hitters here. <laughs> We've seen this rec room a couple of times. Yeah. They got chess. Okay. There's a harp in there. Apparently that's where it sits. This seems to be only for officers, by the way. And uh, well, I, I guess we've seen Janice Rand in there, haven't we? Yeah, I technically didn't know if she had a rank or not. I didn't know what, what, her, what her deal is. Uh, She's a yeoman first class. I think that's, it's come That's up. straight up its own rank? Yeoman? Well, this is the Navy. Does the omen really is that really its own so, rank? It's a it's a rate, right? It's a rating. Like Dad yeah. was a storekeeper third class. Oh, was, I see. His rank was petty officer third class. Right, right, right. So That's she's a mean. she's a petty officer first class, but her uh, rating is yeoman. I get it. Okay. Anyway, good old crazy navy. Um, 
This is what they got. This is the area where they have fallen down the most, I think. This and the uh, data tapes. Ugh. In their vision of what the future is going to be like. Yeah. Is everyone's going to sit around in this one room where there's nothing to do. Well, Except you know. a harp. And you, boy, it's a good thing Uhura can sing, huh? <laughs> we haven't seen anybody else do it. So, yeah, maybe he would be pretty dull without her. Riley's like, I am fucking, I am bored. I'm going to get on the radio and see if Uhura will sing for me. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, he didn't bust out his iPad. He ain't listening to a podcast. Yeah, I'll start watching last week's fucking Better Call Saul or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So this is the area where they've fallen down the most. Um, Leighton's mask in the beginning is like Pike's wheelchair. In that it's worse than what was available in 1966. Why does he have a whole head patch? It doesn't doesn't I kind of want to know what Kodos did. Did Kodos do that to him? I How mean, come if he's got so, a whole head patch? Like, you're supposed to think it's an eye patch, and then he eventually turns dramatically, and you see the patch covers the entire side of his head, and you go, what is that? If so, it kind of doesn't jibe with the story that we're told, which is that he killed them quickly and painlessly. Yeah. Like, did he just wing? Did Leighton just get winged? And if that is an independent injury, I feel like they need to tell us what happened. Yeah. Because what happened? Um, I loved the romantic interpretation of the main theme. Yes. They uh, they really trouble with Angel Dust here in this episode. <laughs> yep. Um, also, there's a like a, a lounge version at the party. Although, every time Kirk was with that lady, I was going, No! Yeah. No! Oh, no, it's right here. Right here, my quick hitters. Kirk shouldn't be hitting on 19-year-olds. I feel pretty confident about that. Ugh. I mean, goddammit, Kirk. Just because the computer told you she's 19 doesn't mean you have to fuck her. Here's the um, the old dialogue monster, Matt. Worlds may change, galaxies disintegrate, but a woman is always a woman. I don't even... Also, Newtons are fruit and cake. <laughs> yeah, what could that even mean? What could it mean? Um, I don't know. Dog, Riley's gonna grow up big and strong, because he fucking pounds that glass of milk. Well, at first he hesitates, and then, yeah, you're right, he really gets in there. He gets after uh, He gets milk. all up into that thing. After somebody has used the spray bottle to squirt some, some jizz in it. Or yeah, after someone puts some Formula Four Hundred Nine in his milk, he fucking goes nuts. Mm. Uh, McCoy can't be cool for one second in his medical log. He's got to be like, "Well, we're keeping Riley here, right behind me. <laughs> we're keeping him here behind me because, uh, you know, you know, it might be Kodos, and uh, we he really hates Kodos. Nuts. If we, He's... if he ever found out Kodos was here, he would absolutely. Ooh, I bet he'd go him. right after Kodos. <laughs> Uh, just, just be cool for a second, there, Doctor hey, McCoy. Riley, just uh, the, the writing, the staging, everything in this episode is just so obvious. He just walks right out, right as he's saying that, and gets a crazy look on his face. Um, there's some great original series cinematography when they do a close up on uh, Crazy Girl's eyes. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's that's some classic Star Trek cinematography. And uh, I think this is the least amount of phaser effect we've ever seen kill a person. That's true. Uh, when uh, when she shoots her dad, it just goes plop, and then he's down. <laughs> it's not like the the ricocheting ping from uh, the man trap. No. Or the usually a couple of seconds of phaser energy it takes to kill someone. Um, boy, you covered a lot of what I had in here. Um... All that computer exposition about Kodos, just for the audience, right? When he's listening to those data tapes? Yes, one presumes. Okay. Uh, 
Oh no, stay away from the rec room. Play a song for me, I'm white, I have that in there. Um, Riley, don't drink the milk, the milk's gone bad. (laughs) Kirk's captain's logs are like Trump's speeches. They're just like chock full of sentence fragments. Yeah. Like, entire crew is concerned. And you're like, alright. <laughs> you, you had time to say it. You had time to say whole sentences, but you chose not to. Uh, that phaser on overload was definitely not a low hum. No. It was shrill, and you could hear it right from the beginning. Also, remember, by the way, for your previous point, that um, he gives that captain's log on the bridge. <laughs> I know. That's, sh- that's, that's insane. Does he not have a ready room? We have not. We don't see her. There's no ready room. We so, see him in his quarters, but he doesn't seem to have a ready room. And we know they have a meeting room, an observation room, or whatever. I don't know what they do. They, they the one that yes. they always gather around and play tapes on, or whatever. Yeah, it's where they where they where they play their data tapes. Yeah, so that room it's exists. Where, where too. the we, computer is also a lie detector. I mean, it seems like it's got a recording studio there. He should go there to record his captain. He really should. Um. Let's see. They haven't really worked out the camera work on ship explosions yet because. The, uh, Kirk and Spock just throw themselves against the bulkhead mm-hmm. when that phaser on overload goes off. The camera does very little. That's true. Uh, let's see, stuff about the dialogue monster. Well, Riley hella blew it. You can't point a phaser at the captain. Yeah, that ain't gonna work. I fully expect him to be executed off screen. Well, we're never gonna see him again. So. Oh, that was it for Riley? That's a, that's a series wrap on Riley. If it's then I think he well, didn't make it. It wasn't even supposed to be Riley. Oh. They just... It's a Dr. Solar situation. They just wanted to use that actor again, and then someone was like, uh, he's been on there, that's Riley. And they're like, alright, fuck it, I guess it's Riley then. Alright, he can be Riley, it doesn't make any difference to us. Is he gonna sing I'll Take You Home Again, Kathleen? No? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> that's it, that's all I got. Um, what do we got on the math on this motherfucker? So, you gave it 21, I gave it 17. Oh. Uh, that's a total of 38, which is... <laughs> Insanely, it's up five from the second half of the Menagerie, which was a much better episode. Yes, the Menagerie, even though it was a rehash, it was it was uh, considerably more entertaining than this piece of shit was. Uh, ben was right there in line with us uh, at a, at around a twenty, mm. uh, and a, again, sort of take was the strongest for him. But he brought up something interesting in characterization, um, which is that at this point, it's it's actually pretty well established that Kirk is not a womanizer. He's very calculating. He has when he powers. gets involved with a woman. Uh, he's always trying to trick them into doing something. So actually, what Kirk is is a sociopath. Yes, he's he's got powers, and he's not afraid to use them. In fact, it's usually Plan A. Plan A is seduce. But you're right. Oh, yeah. He's not necessarily doing it because he wants to bang chicks. He's nope. doing it. Like I think that's a happy side effect. Yeah, I think exactly. it's why it's Plan A. Instead of plan C, but he's like, I got the power to do chicks and make them do what I want. So that's what I'm going to do. I think that's right. Uh, so before we move on, I gave uh, best actor in this one to Spock in Sickbay. Okay. And worst actor in this one to McCoy in Sickbay. Yeah, McCoy was... I don't know, the tone didn't really match. I didn't really get what was happening with him. Mm. But Anyway, um, 38 is a strong start. Yeah, I'm surprised because that was not fun. Because uh, this this was really this was a garbage week. Another one. This was a throwaway week for sure. But this week we also watched Angel One. (laughs) 
the Enterprise uh, is out looking for survivors from some freighter that crashed. I, I mean, I don't know why they're looking. It happened seven years ago. But anyway, uh, they think they might be on this planet, but this planet is, uh, it's got the funny quirk of being run entirely by ladies. They're the dominant sex on the planet. They're stronger and smarter or whatever. I don't know what the hell they say. Uh, they locate the missing crew from the crash, but they don't want to leave the planet because, uh, they, because they like it there, I guess. Unless and, they're home. Yeah, and then, you know, so what are they going to do? Are they going to force them to leave? Because the government really wants them out. Think, they think they're agitators or whatever. What's going to happen? That's what I had. Also, people are getting sick on the ship and the Romulans are being hella shady. I didn't even know where to put that in because it seems so tacked on. It is. It's 100% tacked on. Um, uh, so Riker says it. Okay. Um, but I'm going to... I added a couple of things in parentheses here. So the take... The premise for this episode is... No power in the universe can stop the force of... Cultural evolution... Right. Towards equality. <laughs> right. Exactly correct. Um, which is fine. It's a fine take. I gave it eight. Okay. Um, okay, so you think this episode's going to be about equality of the sexes. It's not. But it That's, is not. That is the... That is the particular issue that is facing this planet. Yes. But, but what not it's really, this episode. <laughs> it's really about the futility of conservatism. Yes. In some ways. Like, you can try and restrain this all you want, but it has the force of evolution. Yeah. And for a while I thought, oh, maybe this is going to be about the responsibilities of the Federation. Uh, and its Starship crews to the citizens of the Federation? It's not, because there's something super wild comes up in here, and we'll talk about it in world building. Yeah. So, I, going deep into this episode, I was like, wait a minute, what the hell is happening? Because it is not about the things that I keep thinking it's going to be about. But you're right. No power in the universe can hope to stop the power of revolution. I have note that Riker is talking about cultural evolution, not like the nonsense with Phlox last week on Enterprise. Right, right. This is not like Phlox looked at someone's DNA and he said, well, they're going to evolve, so fuck the other guys. I thought the take was very progressive and Roddenberryan. Mm-hmm. And I also, it's what you want out of Star Trek. I also thought it was a little vague and toothless because, and we'll get into this more in execution, but I, I, I could not figure out exactly why Mistress Beata wanted to kill them. Yeah. Other than real vague things about how they're upsetting the balance on the planet with their, with their ideology. But like, and again, we'll get into this, but they're isolated. They're living far away from everybody. Who are they even bothering? Well, they're not, not that explained. far away from everybody. Well, no one can even find them. Like, they're hitting out, they're out yeah, in the yeah. wilderness. They're hidden, for sure. However, they are, they are close enough that uh, that other minister can get there in, like, a one minute. Right. But I've watched this episode 50 times, probably. Dog, it's like they're, they're living on the Capitol Mall. I've watched this episode, like, 50 times. And I don't think it's ever been explicitly stated what they did. She's just like, I think we have to infer they're a menace because yes. they believe in the equality of men and women. But I yes. can't ever figure out what they did. Well, they're definitely they never tell agitating us. for representation in some way. Are they? I couldn't even tell that much. Does she say that? No, um, MacGyver says it. MacGyver says it himself. He's like... Himself, yeah. We want... Okay. I, I just... I feel like I've seen this episode so many times in my life, and I've never, 
at the end been like, oh, that's what she's mad about. Like, I can't even figure out what the deal is. The problem. But anyway, I gave the take a six. Okay. So six for you. Um, we might as well jump right into execution. Yeah. That's really what we're talking about. Right. At this point. I think one issue that's odd is how, like, reasonable and down-to-earth Beata is. It is weird that her take is, well, we're going to have to kill these people. Yeah, all of them. Families, everybody. Just kill them all. Just but kill everybody. On the, the flip side of that is, Riker gives one weak Picard-style speech, and she's like, all right, fuck it. We won't kill him. <laughs> no, she does so, come off really hurting she, her own credibility. <laughs> she wasn't, like, real determined to execute these people. No. I think we have to assume that there's some stuff going on in the council that we don't see. Yes, I think that's probably a good explanation. Uh, I thought that it, this was a, a surprisingly reasonable and adult presentation of the issue. In that they allowed for some nuance and they didn't just shout at us. And the issue being trying to stop evolution, societal yeah. evolution. Yeah. How yeah. you deal with... Or the futility of, of attempting to to legislate it away. Right. Or hang on to traditional ideas or power. Uh, the worst thing about this for me is that the B-plot yeah. exists just so that they have a one-minute when they can't beam people away. Yep. Yeah. Like, that's pretty... Ooh, that's forced. Also, um, Picard's in this episode so little, it's like he was directing it, but he wasn't. They just gave him a week off. Yeah. Like, just check uh, Anyway, I still thought it was a six, which may be the highest... Have I ever given a higher score than that for execution? Let me just <laughs> let me know. just take a peek. Sort of the ultimate test of whether an episode was well made is the execution Oh, yeah, the man score. trap. I gave the man trap an eight. Oh, boy, I don't think we knew what we were doing with this series I gave, yet. I gave Caretaker a seven. So in week one... You were feeling a lot better. Uh, I was giving higher execution scores. Uh, I've given a couple of sixes before, the naked time and so on. So aside from my issues that I had with what exactly the hell is going on on that planet and why is she so mad about it, like you said, everything about the disease on the ship is just, oh, meant, just meant to take the power out of Riker's hands to just beam them up without yep. without anybody's consent. So why even make them consider whether to do it? Yeah, it's weird. It's so you can get Riker saying, I'd rather face a court-martial than leave these people to their deaths. But that's meaningless. Yes, it, it ends up being meaningless. If you get that from him, what does that mean now? It's a waste of yeah. everybody's time. Also, we know for sure that he's not going to face a court-martial. <laughs> Nothing has ever happened to anybody. Because he's just going to make the same decision Picard made about Wesley. That's right. We we know what's going to happen. Ain't shit going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. Exactly. Remick's going to come sniff around in uh, roughly one year in real time. God damn it. Don't make it seem so far away, because I don't know how many more of these episodes I can do. It's just, Dog, it's, that's, it's nothing at least, but, that's at least ten more episodes out. I guess that's not that far. It's nothing but bad episodes. Um, okay, then, they know they have 48 minutes for Dr. Crusher to okay, come... Okay, this is oh, insane. Okay, okay. Yeah. To, they have 48 minutes for Dr. Crusher to come up with an antidote. Yep. What does that have to do with the amount of time they have to save the dudes on the planet? Not a goddamn They thing. thought they were stranded there for days while the Enterprise was supposed to go off to scare the Romulans away. So why weren't they using their many days that they thought they had to try to help the people on the planet? Why did suddenly hearing that they have 48 minutes for the Doctor to come up with an antidote Because Riker wants to get out of there. 
I don't blame him. He wants to be on that ship when it leaves, and why not? I don't. He's already fucked their leader. I don't blame him for wanting to get out of there, but they weren't going to save those people until they heard that there was 48 minutes left. Yeah, <laughs> they it's were, like, oh, anyway, we can save them now. It's like, wait, what? He's like, oh, I guess I have, I guess I have like another, I get, I get one more shot at this. I better give my little speech. Yeah, it's like you could have just given that speech even if you were going to stick around for a few days. That speech is all that does the trick. It has nothing to do with the Enterprise. Yep. Ugh. Yep. In the end, I just, I just. I was so confused and off-put by every aspect of the execution of this episode. I, I wrote, all in all, horrible garbage recorded for all of posterity to enjoy. Execution one. I thought it was just a whole bunch of feasts. should have a sting or something to play when we disagree <laughs> so vividly on it. I know! Hey, I think this week we're going to have a lot of stuff it, that's there could There could be. It could be the case. Um... All right, Again, it didn't so, even have so much to do with how I thought they did on my take. I just thought, what what are we doing? I yeah, mean, what are we doing out here? There has to be a way to factor that in. Traditionally, we do that in execution. Anyway. Uh, world building. Um, eh, it's just a couple of things. I, I thought pretty minor stuff. I gave it a three overall. Because okay. um, the one big thing is incredibly stupid. Yeah. So... Um, uh, we've seen several officers on the ship who outrank Jordy. Yes. So leaving him in command suggests to me that Starfleet has some equivalent of, like, unrestricted line officers. Yeah. Like, there's some reason... That... He works on the bridge, so even though there might be a lieutenant commander somewhere out there... Right. They don't get the, to take over. Like, there's a reason that Jordy is in command, and, like, maybe if you're an engineer, you're not qualified. But Jordy must be a, a line officer of some kind. Right. This is... This is one thing that is not ever really discussed. Well, I mean, if we're still doing this in 18 years when we get to... Um, the bridge officer's exam? The one where Troy takes the bridge officer's exam? Yeah. Uh, this one where... Uh, Thine own self? Yeah, yeah. Jaden the Iceman? Data's Jaden the Iceman yeah, yeah, in that yeah. one? Yeah. Oh, by the way, Marjan, season seven is the best season of all, according to you. Uh, if we ever get to that, then it'll come up, but... There's a there's a little hint that something is going on here. There's a reason that Jordy is in command. Right. Uh, is this the first time we've seen a site-to-site transport? Where they don't have to beam back onto the pad. They just yeah. They just beam somewhere. Yeah, but maybe. That could be. Or is there one in Farpoint? It's not... I don't remember. I don't remember one from Farpoint, but they, they're, we, there definitely hasn't been one yet in TOS. So Right. This might chronologically be the first site-to-site transport. That doesn't matter. Uh, Federation civilians are not bound by the Prime Directive. That's that sucks for the Prime Directive. That's crazo bonkers. <laughs> that's a bad. That's bad news for the Prime Directive. And like the um, the shadier people in the Federation must use that to get around rules all the time. Yeah. Like, hey, we're not bound by that. So yeah. I sold weapons to these people or whatever. Yeah. But that's <laughs> nonsense, right? That yeah. can't work. It, how's it going to work? Well, you see, you see how it's working, dude. They're just it messing around work. with shit down there. They're causing an incident. Uh, so that's big, but it's bad. So again, world building on this was a three <laughs> negative world building points. Well, that takes points away. <laughs> yeah. Like it just doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. It seems like a throwaway. Yeah, they have to like, explain why, why they can't, they arrest can't these force dudes them to leave. Yeah, rather than have there be some some moral reason that it's not right to take them away from there because this is their home. Right. Data's just like, they're not, look, 
their Federation civilians aren't bound by the Prime Directive, so... Too bad. Um, I also gave it a three. That freighter is seven years overdue. Yes. This is a very timely investigation. Does uh, well, this, this speak more to the size of the fleet? Mm-mm. It comes up. Wait, okay. It comes up. Mistress Beata... No, it's Mistress Ariel. One of the Gets ones. bitchy with him, and she says, uh, you must have better things to do than look for four survivors. And first Riker's like, even one survivor is important. And then he, they do some bit about how he's a man. Yeah. And then Troy says that they came across the ship unexpectedly. Oh, so so it, it was presumably somebody had and, looked for it, but and never then found. they had a mandate to look for the survivors once they uh, knew where the ship was. Okay. Um, let's see. Angel it's a one. real throwaway, and I don't think I caught that in any of my fifteen previous viewings of Angel One, but I caught it this time. And I I do think it reinforces it, the way I was thinking of it was just they didn't have the resource to look for it, which would sort of reinforce the Enterprise being the only ship in the sector every episode. <laughs> Yeah, Just that like, hasn't come up much yet, but it's gonna. They don't have a ton of ships uh, at this point. Um, Angel One is similar in technology to mid-20th century Earth. With some notable exceptions. Yes. <laughs> but my question there is, why doesn't the Prime Directive apply? Are they sure. grandfathered in by past contact some 60 years ago, they say? Yeah, in the I beginning? guess maybe that's what it is. Maybe it is grandfathered in. Should apply. They, these definitely are not warp capable people which also means again mistress ariel got to those people she heard from Riker that they knew where they were yeah uh she got there before troy and yar got there that's true how the fuck did she do that did their dog they're hiding next door <laughs> maybe maybe they're in the backyard i don't know um uh let's see angel one is all ladies in charge yep okay um Starfleet is adamant that they maintain good relations with Angel One. Because of their potential strategic importance in this sector. Let me just that run through this. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Let me run through this with you because I wrote this all down in real time. Starfleet is adamant that they maintain good relations with Angel One. Though they don't say why. Oh no, wait. They say it may eventually have strategic importance. Then they don't say why. Oh wait, now we're finding out about the proximity to the neutral zone with the Romulans? Yep. Haven't heard much about them yet in the show, but... Uh, maybe that's the strategic importance. They're fairly close to the neutral zone. I don't know why this is all coming out in drips and draps, but that's that's what I got out of world building for that aspect of it. That they are theoretically maybe that's one of the reasons they've been grandfathered in on the prime directive is because they want to make make sure they've got these people in their pocket. They can put fucking bases there or whatever in the future. Um, I got questions about the moon roof on the bridge. I don't know if we talked about it. I don't think we have. Is that a matte painting, or are those really stars out there? Like, I mean, not for us, obviously. I mean, in-universe. Because it always looks exactly the same. Yeah, that's just laziness. They never do put the planet up there, though, do they? But it is supposed to be a moon roof, and I think... I th- I don't know what, what to do with the movies, but I think when the crashes... It breaks. And it, sunlight comes in. It breaks and sunlight is in there, so I think it is supposed to be a functional roof. Like yeah, a moon, I think so. functional moon roof. Uh, the execution machine that they have. Why by the way, why don't they? Um, why don't they then just turn the ship when they need Jordan to get a good look at it? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, just turn to the side just a little. Turn bit. Turn to the side and look up. <laughs> a little bit of roll or yaw. It hurts one? his neck. It hurts his neck to look up. That's right. Uh, the execution machine that they use. Mm-hmm. 
don't know. That exists. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely mid 20th century level. <laughs> Trent holds a crystal and then fuck crystal ball, then puts his palm on it and it evaporates a vase or whatever. Who knows? I kind of feel like even though some of that is negative, I want to I want to bump him up to a four because I feel like I said a lot of stuff. So they did more world building than you first thought. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's give him a four on that. Okay. Um, characterization here. There's a couple of things. Go for it. Uh, Data doesn't know what perfume is, but again, what is Data? Mm-hmm. Who built him? Why did they build him? <laughs> what was their intention? Why is he everything about the way he is? We have to ask this every week. We have to ask this. <sighs> yep. Um, every time I watch this episode, I think Riker is 100% right in his little discussion about wearing the sexy outfit with Yar and Troy. Mm-hmm. Like, why is this up Yar's butt? Are they supposed to be jealous? I don't really know. Like, what's happening there? Yeah, I, I thought maybe they were supposed to be jealous. Like, Because I they walk the, in, and he's got his bedhead later on, because he's just been banging yes. her, and they don't look happy about it. And th- there's a good reason. There's a very good reason not to be happy about that. Yeah, it's because unprofessional. You shouldn't be banging the leader of foreign worlds if you're yeah, a Starfleet commander. Yeah, that's a prime directive problem, I think. I, well, I, unfortunately, it do- doesn't feel like that applies to anything in this it episode. It seems like it doesn't matter on Angel 1. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, why they're... I don't know. They definitely have something about him dressing up for her. Like, if he has dressed in native costumes on other occasions, then they... What? Well, he's right, and they're wrong. Okay, agreed. Now, he does then completely bang her. He does then bang her all the way out, which is... <laughs> that's a different story. Um, I liked seeing Worf give Jordy command advice. I love Worf in this episode. We'll get to it. I love yeah. Worf in this episode. Uh, uh, but I found Riker's Picard speech less than convincing. And I think that makes sense, too. We've already so, seen he's the worst diplomat. So, all told, I liked, I liked Worf and Jordy in this episode... Um, even though they were part of the stupid plot. Even though they were part of the dumb plot. I didn't like Yar and Troy, particularly in this episode. Yar, particularly. Even though they were part of the A plot. Even though they were part of the A plot. I thought Troy actually carried off her part not that badly. Right. Of the speaking on behalf of the ship because she was a woman. I'll get uh, that too, yeah. But, be- but because of Yar and because I didn't think Riker's Picard speech landed, uh, I only had this as a four for characterization. Uh, I had a lot here. It's almost as big as my quick hitters. Alright. People are still sick of Data. Right off the fucking jump. He does a thing where he tries to time it down to the second and Riker tells him to can it. He doesn't know what perfume is. He doesn't know what an aphrodisiac is. Nope. He doesn't know what effect scent has on human sexuality. Nope. I hope nobody is using him as an encyclopedia. Calculator? Calculator seems to be the extent of his abilities. (laughs) Yep. Data gives away their bargaining position many times by letting everyone in the room know they have no power over Ramsey and his road dogs. Yes. He does it in like three separate scenes. Yeah, he can't, again, uh, Data, like McCoy, can't be cool for even one second. It's really aggravating to watch, and, and more <coughs> aggravating that no one tells him to shut the fuck up. Then Data calculates how much time it will take for the Federation outpost in the neutral zone to withstand yeah. an attack... This I guess baffling. planning to use the usual Starfleet battle strategy of getting shot to shit before ever firing back. Yeah, like he's gonna—he's made that decision on their behalf. 
it, this is this was the this was the most maddening part of this episode to me. Somebody needs so to turn data, them off. Data is also making the command decision here that it's cool for him. Like he's completely overlooked the possibility that having the Enterprise there might prevent an attack by the Romulans. Which I do believe is the entire point. That's the point. They're, that's what they're trying to do. It's yeah. a show of force. But he's like, no, I think that this one outpost and the USS Berlin can withstand the attack of seven Romulan battlecruisers <laughs> for, for a at least a minimum of 48 minutes plus yeah. whatever time it'll take us to get there. Right. He's a real fucking asshole and I think he needs to be disassembled, right? <laughs> They gotta put him back in those molds and ship his ass right back to Epsilon whatever. Oh yeah, for sure. Put him right back on that planet. Like, you don't need to keep him. I think beam, his problems are not fixable. Beam his ass into space next to the crystalline entity. <laughs> uh, that's all I had for data. Um, I think I agreed with you. Troy does acquit herself well when Picard tells her to make the call to Angel One one second before the call goes out. Yep, because she is, this is off the cuff. I don't know how much practice she gets at playing diplomat, but I would be flustered. I'd be there like, "Can are, I just can I can I just email them?" There will eventually be suggestions that she is the second most qualified diplomat on the ship. Well, it's not Riker, so we know it's not Riker. It's got to be somebody. <laughs> well, and when you think about it, in that one with the oh, what was the name of them? The guys did he clacks on that? The Harada. Yep, she is instrumental in preparing him for that she has memorized all the shit like she's really in it yeah He's also using... clearly she could give the speech if it if she needed to and i think it's also clear at this point and maybe this is goes to characterization it's becoming more clear every episode that her use as a counselor is by far second to her use to picard yeah for as sure. an assistant of general general nature it will be seasons before we see her acting in the capacity of ship's counselor i think that might be important to point out because she always introduces herself and is introduced as ship's counselor but i ain't seen her do any counseling yet also we will never see another ship's counselor yeah it, i mean this doesn't really this isn't something that you would know by now but this is clearly something that picard is doing yeah he's got a special plan that is maybe outside of the normal Everything about Troy seems like it's outside of the normal operation. So then you do want to know how he met her, why he has come to rely on her. It's like he has these weird special relationships with women that are not sexual. <laughs> I know. Like, we'll see it next season with Guinan. Yeah. It's uh, true. I mean, Yar wants to get away him. with a lot of shit. Yar wants to fuck him for sure. Yar, well, if he wasn't the captain, <laughs> she'd... I'm so glad she didn't finish that sentence. She'd jump... Jump right into his 60-year-old pants. <laughs> because she grew up on a rape planet and she's weird about sex now. That's correct. Uh, but he has, like... This is... Um, <clears throat> when you think of Kirk versus Picard, right? Because nobody oh, yeah. includes the other captains. There's no point. I mean, although, just based on the work we've done, maybe Janeway should Janeway be included. Janeway yeah. could consider, at this point in the, the way we've done this... Could no need to include Cisco. Point. The Cisco can just sit it out. He doesn't even want to be there. That's right. And uh, Archer is the worst, so it doesn't matter. Yes. Um, you think of Picard as being like reasonable and diplomatic and even tempered, and Kirk as being like the the man of action. Yes. But Picard seems to make most of his decisions based on some kind of weird gut instinct and personal relationships. 
We will like, talk about this. It's not at all out of character that he makes Wesley an acting ensign, which subverts the entire command structure of the Federation, basically. Right. Like, oh, uh, all of you crewmen who have been in Starfleet for 15 years, you can't be on the bridge. But, but this boy. My, my dead friend's kid? Hey, you have a rank That's in Starfleet right. now. I know. It's actually totally in character when you figure, oh, he must be, something is up with Troy? Yeah. On the ship? And then when we see Guinan, and she has the run of the ship. Yes. Uh, so, it's not how you think of Picard when you think of Picard. And we'll get into this a million times throughout the series, especially when really important, like, intergalactic decisions are being made, and you notice he's locked himself in a room with Troy and Worf. And you go... <laughs> This is his decision-making process. He's yeah. asking someone who's supposed to be the ship's counselor and a junior officer, essentially. I mean, if he's not anymore at that point, he's only just barely become a senior officer. Mm-hmm. About decisions that will, like, change the whole shape of the quadrant or the galaxy. And the whole of Starfleet is a subspace call away. Yes, and he never makes the call. He takes Troy into his office. And so Data brings it right. up in, da- in the actual episode Data's Day. It's very weird. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, Troy was like, yeah, no, I'll, I'll make the call. I would have been like, oh, I, I don't, I, I'll just, I, I'll call him uh, later. I'll call him what later. Do, what do you want me to say? I'll call him. I'm going to go to the other room and make the call. Is that okay? I mean, he'll do this. He'll do the same horse shit with Worf in about five episodes. Yes, he will. Stop teasing, man. I, I know oh. there are episodes ahead that I'm going to enjoy. I'm just saying. Jordy is sassy again. And... Uh, particularly in the beginning. And yeah. he gets to run the show. I tried to close my eyes and pretend this was Arsenal of Freedom, but it didn't take. <laughs> the song requested. I mean, the the episode requested in the song Star Trek Sucks. That's right. Um, Riker, ever the bad diplomat, gets off on the wrong foot and then can't control his facial reactions. Yep. Just making faces throughout their first meeting with those ladies. Uh, then he accuses his comrades of being mad jealous of his sex appointment uh, yep. with Mistress Butterface. Well, but what else explains what they're going through there? But I think our weird theory holds about Riker. He's still enjoying that final revival of wit and confidence. Yep. So um, now the question is, what's going to break him finally? There's got to be something coming up. Oh, could it be something that happens to him, like, maybe next week? Oh, boy. It could be. <laughs> like, something... So maybe something wonderful is going to happen in his life and then be taken away? <laughs> this goodness very well could be. Could it happen next week? We'll see. Uh, let's see. Picard has no patience for opinions about scent that differ from his own. Yeah, boy, he does not want to hear that. Uh, Worf thinks it smells kind of nice. The smell of night blooming thrognide or whatever. <laughs> Picard is very mad about that opinion. Uh, this dude, this is Worf's time. This episode, he just gets to pal around with Picard. He gets to man different bridge stations. He's loving this crisis. It's and then, a fun episode for him that's not about him being a Klingon. That's right. He didn't have to shout, I'm a Klingon at any point. And he gives some real good junior officer to junior officer buddy advice to LaForge on the way off the bridge when the yep. sickness finally overcomes him. Yep. Um, I don't know if I already... Did I already say what I gave it? Oh, no. What did you give for characterization? I, I gave it a five... Um, I enjoyed a lot of it. Riker, as a character, is just such a problem. He's so bad at diplomacy, and he's constantly being tasked with it. He makes he makes decisions and says things that are terrible, and everything that has to do with data brings down characterization every week. 
Yeah, he is the worst character so He's, far. Um, he might be worse than any of the characters on Deep Space Nine. To this point? Yeah. Worse than Dax, you think? Uh, yes, because Dax is nothing. Worse than Jake. He's less than Jake. He's less than Jake. Actually. <laughs> um, it's just that DS9 it has nothing but bad characters, so that's the yeah. difference. But anyway. I so guess I the worst character so far is actually Cisco, isn't it? Because Cisco I don't think Bashir? it's his fault. I think I they should know. do more stuff about Cisco, but he, they just have him standing around half the time. All right, anyway, we'll get to that. It was plenty of time to talk about Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. do, you want, do you want to do the math? I am doing the math. Beep, beep, boop, boop, boop. Okay. Why don't you do your quick hitters? Uh, Picard asks what they know about Angel One as they pull into orbit. Yep. I know he's busy, but come on, man. He didn't know anything about Luton's world either until he heard about those sweet briefing studies. Um, that's true, and it's in character for that to have happened, but I think uh, it's probably fair to say that Angel One is pretty close to where they found the Odin. <laughs> just, they might not have had a long time en route, like, given that the neutral zone's only I mean, it's less than 48 minutes away. I feel like he needs to study a little bit harder, though. I just yeah. feel like he, he's always just rolling up somewhere like, All right, who are these guys? What's up? What are we doing? Uh, for a second, I thought we were going to have a holodeck-related B-plot. Oh, I know. But luckily, that's only the very beginning of it. Yep. Um, I would take, I'm not prepared to answer that question yet, as, yes, the survivors of the Odin are on our planet. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to uh, interpret that any other way. It's not a good answer. Uh, I believe Trent. She's, she's pleading the fifth. <laughs> yes. Trent, who I believe is played by a young Billy Bush is not into these powerful male visitors. No, Trent's my favorite character in this episode. He is just constantly put out by the tall, like, the tallness of Riker, I think. I like his side eye, I like his sandals, I'm into <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> you want you want one of him at home? Uh no, but I'd like I'd like to you? be his friend. Oh, okay. Alright. Like you know you know he'd have shit to say about all your other friends. Man, there was something so satisfying about Picard leaving LaForge in charge and asking him to make the proper log entries. Yes. That would be the first time somebody did. It would. It would be great if Picard had said nobody reads them. <laughs> it's just like, did you really just give him that command as you left? Make the proper log entries? What, like about Wesley? You well, just want him to say what Wesley's up to? They didn't do any of the fun command code nonsense that they sometimes do, so. Make sure you tell me what Wesley did this afternoon. Yeah, it's very exactly. Important. Including Wesley Crusher. <laughs> Uh, Marina Sirtis seemed to have, like, genuine glee at Riker's outfit. Yes. <laughs> Denise Crosby appears to be acting. Yes. Which is pretty standard. She always looks like she's acting. By the way, we haven't really talked about it. I had a lot of glee at Riker's outfit. It's pretty amazing. I like the asymmetry of the open shirt, so that mm, one, I like one just, nip. I just like the left boob out look for him. <laughs> just one boob out, one boob in. You, here is the thing, like, if they if they shot this episode today, A, he'd have to be so much more jacked. Oh my god, you, you could not get away with Riker's body. Riker's body's fine in the first it's, season. There's no, it's fine, there's nothing wrong with it. But you but could it's not just get like, away It's with not that. a TV body anymore. No. Uh, also, could not have that chest hair. Nope. And we've seen that with Picard already. Yeah, you'd have to wax that shit up. Yeah, but he would be, he would be waxed, and he would be, like, pounding creatine. You gotta wax to show off your 18-pack. You can't have the hair covering it all up. And he does not uh, have one. Do you think... What do you think it means about Beata that she's attracted to Riker? Oh, I, I get a, into this too, yeah. 
Okay, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think Mistress Beata is like the A-Rod of her planet. All oh using steroids, I... desperately wanting people to like her, having sent ourselves portraits all over the place, and then um, also being really surprisingly good as an analyst on TV. But she, she uh, she's into like big muscly dudes the way he's into like big muscly women. I guess that's true. He's way into big muscly chicks, and I don't know... Since I don't know what it says about him, I don't know really what I intended with that. See, I think that the audience is supposed to go, ah, see, now they got a real man. Of course she's into him, but it's like, that's not how it would be. Yeah, they just talked about how they were weaker and submissive and all this stuff, and that's what men are on that planet. Like, you gotta figure Trent's what they're going for there. It's like if China came to our planet, the the wrestler China. Exactly. And then, exactly. And then someone was way into her, you'd be like, what, what? Why yeah, you... That's what you're, you're into, really into China. So all this time, that's really, that's why you're such a bitch all the time because you can't find any Chinas out there. Like, yeah, gross. It's, it's a good point. Rest in peace, China. Oh yeah, she died, huh? She's dead. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, but anyway, what a black mark Denise Crosby and her character are on this show. Yeah, like if you can't even play that scene well, what's wrong with you? And the insane thing is, they didn't want to kick her off. She just wanted off. Good, good riddance. Except that she kept coming. Back. You know who they did want to kick off? Doctor Crusher. That was also worked good out. It works out super well for them. It was also good reasons, except when they brought in somebody somehow worse. <laughs> yeah, they just brought in an alcoholic racist instead. <laughs> uh, hey, we'll get to that in a million years. If this is a real emergency, I think mm-hmm. people can be at their stations with flu-like symptoms. Yeah, well, but this is a future where no one has ever had the flu, so they're real pussies about it. They're really having a fucking because Warf walks off the bridge and he's like congested. Yeah, like, he sneezed you know, four times so far. Like, if everyone's healthy and you're the only one, like, maybe take the afternoon and go go get some rest. But, like, they keep talking about how, like, there's only Jordy manning the ship now, basically. Like, you, sh- you could probably stick it out a little longer. I mean, someone's in the transporter room. Right. There's, I think that the worst we ever hear is that a third of the crew is down. So, it's not clear why there's no one else on the bridge. <laughs> yeah, get some people up there. But maybe she means a third of the ship's complement, and it just happened to go to all the crew members. Because we, we know there can't be that many of them. It must just, be mostly families. I just mostly found them to be kind of sissying it up a little bit. Like, a just little bit. tough it out. Um, uh, let's see. As always, a real 1980s look at power politics. Get sex music when this foreign leader tries to sex Riker instead of creeper music. Yeah, that's a good point. Wouldn't be that way now. Uh, Riker's a slut, to be sure, but this is not an appropriate way to welcome a foreign representative. See, in this paragraph, I put it on her. But it's, it obvi- her. it's obviously also on him. It's on the both of them. They both did bad. But the power dynamics here are weird because she is the ruler of this world, but like it ain't it ain't one of the good worlds. <laughs> yes, that's correct. Oh, to be sure, a commander in Starfleet hella outranks her. Yeah, just in the intergalactic <laughs> scheme of things. But it is weird. Like they're in her home base. The, I think the power dynamics of this relationship are a little strange. Yeah. Uh, then we, all the stuff about A-Rod I had, which was weird. Now, um, I think I heard Crusher say that the virus mutates. Every 20 minutes. <laughs> These guys are really one-take wonders. <laughs> they don't... They never do a second take. This, whatever. Technically, that's how... I think that's how it's said. If you really think about it. Um, how do you suppose Troy is doing? I mean, like, she can sense what the fuck happened when she walks into that room with Bedhead Riker and Beata. And we already know that he has messed with her so bad. Well, Doug, again... Bear in mind that the Rebels are next door. Right. She can sense it when it's happening. Oh, yes. That's what I'm saying. Like, she can feel Riker doing it. Oh, yes. So wh- how do you think he's she's... He's like 180 feet away. Yeah. 
and like they have a bond. I think she she learned something about herself in Haven. Oh boy. I'm excited about that. She definitely came away stronger from the Haven experience, and Riker came away weaker. Good. As should be. She's never going to throw herself into his arms and say bail again. (laughs) I hope that's true, because I I hate it every time it happens. So, Uh, uh, I think when she was thinking about leaving with Wyatt, she sort of realized that she she may be done with Riker. Well, we know that she's not. (laughs) Um, Well, okay. In the eventually in the movies, but by then she's settling. Worst actor I had. I know this is your thing, but I had either Denise Crosby or Mistress Frittata. Frittata. Mistress Frittata. I declined to award a worst actor. What this episode? I didn't think anybody was that bad. Uh, you should go back and watch that scene where Denise Crosby is clearly pretending to, to be, be angry, to be interested in Riker's outfit. I'd be happy to give it to her. She's usually the worst. All right. What do you get for quick hitters? Um, it's nice that they get a direct line to the elected one when they call, huh? Straight in. Just just, uh, right, just directly. Not even like a please hold or anything. Just straight to her. Uh, a lot of bridge wising off, I think you mentioned. Oh, here's one. Why is Wesley learning to ski? Um, is that part of his curriculum? Oh, boy. Are you his mad ski, that he's not studying? His ski instructor selected <laughs> the Denobulan Alps or whatever. <laughs> right. For him. <laughs> And his buddy. He's is this a, part of his school? He's living the good life, man. He's just, just to learn it. to ski? <laughs> he's got it Is this good. his PE class? I think it's still on the side, and he just hired an instructor. But oh, so we he should... just, he's just paying $30 a lesson? Right, exactly. But maybe we should ask Riker. I know he's in charge of his studies. So yeah. when Riker gets back on the ship, let's ask him. Um, Captain Picard's uniform was dry before the scene with Wesley was over. That's like, true. when he turns to leave, dry uniform. Can I revisit the last point for just a second? Yeah, let's, let's do that. Um, I think Wesley's skiing because Riker's not on the ship. Oh. I think he's taking... I think he's playing hooky. I think he's like, no, no, I'll do my... I know you're going to be on the plan. No, I'll study hard. Don't worry, boss. I'll definitely keep studying. And then he's like, all right, let's fucking hit the slopes. His ski instructor is just his Asian friend or whatever. Yeah. All right, sorry about that. Um, no, uh, I think that makes a lot of sense, but also that's a lame way to play hooky. Yes. Is to go skiing. Oh, and just his lucky runs into Captain Picard. In your crystal light aerobics championship outfit. (laughs) Well, there's like everybody runs into Captain Picard and spells stuff on him. It's true. Ruins poor Sonia Gomez's career. It just takes a couple weeks for the transfer papers to go through. Two years, we'll find out. Yeah. Uh, boy, is, that a, is she only in season three? No, she's only in season two. I'm just thinking it's going to take us oh. two years to get there. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, I'd never before noticed that uh, Troy gives a nice little hint to what's going on when she says that not everybody in the room was afraid for the same reason. Mm. I'd she never sh- noticed. I've seen this episode a million times. Never noticed that before. She should have maybe told us why. Well, she should have said uh, specifically Mistress Ariel. That one. like, oh one my god, you're going to find at. my husband? She's... No, she thinks something else. She's different than the others. I would have done that. Uh, we get the return of the infection tinkle from the naked now. Yeah. At one point in here, That's like good. the sound that now you're infected. I missed it. Okay. Um, when Data announces that he is anatomically male, 
the woman standing behind the elected one who didn't get any lines but i guess she knew she was this was it for her she does like a little horniness stroke Aww. like just like if somebody told mike pence that the woman he was talking to was a sex robot <laughs> do you like suppose, she cannot process the idea do you suppose data um was he bragging no they 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 said he was too dumb to work their library <laughs> And then he says that he's a robot, though he is anatomically male. Okay. And then the woman, the woman behind her, goes like, "Oh, oh. what? <laughs> what? A sex robot? Uh, this virus actually acts faster than the naked now infection does. That one takes a while to get going. I don't like all these parallels to the naked now, but it happened not that long ago, and everyone got sick on the ship, so I, I understand why we keep having to refer to it." Uh, I thought it was weird when Ramsey said that he would only play one song and he got to choose. <laughs> I described him as looking like MacGyver earlier, but he he looks a little bit like Sting. Too. Everyone had kind of a mullety thing going on back yeah, then. Yeah, it, it was a good time for that. Uh, I also thought it was weird when Riker said he couldn't bone down because he's a senator. <laughs> but then that, little... that other lady was like, but you're way softer than sand. Yeah, but I don't you know don't if... get... You don't get in my butt like sand does. Felt sand. It's like it's not. You can rub it. It feels. It doesn't feel good. And then sometimes it goes in your bits. Uh. Not like you. <laughs> yeah, not like you. You stayed away from my bits for so long. Um, I'm like fifty percent sure that Mistress Beata has armpit hair, and I was wondering if that's a production choice or a coincidence. Mm, that is a good question. We'll never be able to ask the lady who did it. I assume she's dead. One hopes. Um, oh, this is the original Angel One matte painting. Oh yeah! Episode. We talked about this not that long ago. We saw yeah. it a bunch of times, four or five episode weeks ago. Yeah, it was, it was co- in both the Voyager and the Deep Space Nine. Yeah, weird coincidence that it just showed up twice in the same week. Yeah, no, this is the uh, one. It's a, it's a good matte painting. I, yeah, I can understand why they kept using it. Yeah. It looks great. I mean, so like, oh, this is our best one. Everything like, else, everything else looks like the cardboard planet from uh, <laughs> the Man Trap. So that one looks good. Kronos looks good. Um, That's a good, another good matte painting. You always just see the Great Hall. You don't see much else, but it's it's good looking, and uh, that's why they they like to go to those ones a lot. What do you think uh, Trent's job is? Because he seems to be their concierge. Also, he's definitely the executioner. It's true. He was holding that weird crystal. And he was going to be the one that executed MacGyver. Yeah. Mr. Spiata grabs his hand at the last second. Yeah, he holds the crystal. The crystal is the remote control for some reason. Yeah. He puts his hand over that crystal and the, everyone gets fucking evaporated or whatever. And um, my final uh, quick hitter was uh, Ryder got pretty lucky that uh, Beata was like a reasonable, competent leader, right? I got the feeling he didn't really care what happened to those people. Yeah, maybe not. But like, <laughs> otherwise he he didn't have any other cards to play. No, and I'm again he only remembered to play that one right at the end. Yeah, it's like suddenly he's like, oh, I can go in there and say this thing. Um, I gave the best actress uh, award to Mistress Beata. Oh wow! Again, I did not uh, award a worst actor this week. Okay. Um, um, did Ben have anything interesting to say? Let's uh, let's take a look. So. Um, by the way, Ben gave uh, Ben was right in line with us on Conscience of the King. He gave it twenty points, mm-hmm. 
Uh, he gave this one 13, so. Oh, boy. Much much more in line with your opinion than mine. Crushed it. Um, he says that it's pretty clear at this point that Yar is a superfluous character. Absolutely, yes. So, um. That's a tr- that is absolutely the truth. Yeah, Not only know, superfluous, what, but fucking annoying. What's the B plot? He thought this. He thought this was an episode about gender. No, and he didn't think that was worth much. So I don't know if he tuned out by the time Riker says what the episode is about. Maybe. Um, he wants to know who discovered this planetary system and said, "Oh, a world run by women? That's heaven." I'm gonna call it Angel One. <laughs> That's true. It is an interesting name. Uh, he said, uh, best actor was Wesley's friend who had no lines and the worst actor, uh, Riker, who Rikered it up in the most Riker way you can Riker. He did, yeah. Well, that's true. He did. That's how you felt during the characterization segment, for sure. Yes. Uh, so the total, uh, I gave it 21, you gave it 16, that's 37 points. Oh, no! A single point behind the conscience of the king. In the stink hole. Appropriately, um, so. Incidentally, 37 points would have won last week, so... The first two episodes in in this throwaway garbage week, yeah, it really is. Both scored better than the winner of last week. All right. Well, but what else hey, did we watch? We watched three more episodes this week, including the storyteller. Cisco and Kira have to negotiate a treaty between Bajoran villages. I mean, Kira disappears about a minute in. Right. But originally they're together. While O'Brien and Bashir respond to a medical emergency. Also on Bajor? Yeah. Uh, the negotiations are hampered by a petulant child leader, and O'Brien has to take over for an old man who uses the power of motivational speech to fight a cloud. <laughs> yep. Nog fills Odo's bucket with oatmeal. It's, um... Even though I've seen this episode so many times, it still is delightful just to hear that premise. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. Yep. Uh, Uh, I'll tell you what I got. Um, The most important attribute of leadership? Confidence. I feel like that's a reasonable thing to take away from this. (laughs) Strikes me as a lot less of a hot take and more of a truism. Yeah, it kind um, of is not a hot take. But, you know, here you go. Like, the village needs... A dude to whip them all into fucking hateful frenzy. Mm-hmm. And O'Brien doesn't have what it takes. Only that dog penis apprentice can yep. pick up where the Syrah left off because he's got that it factor. Also, O'Brien oh. forgot to hold the special rock. He really blew it. We'll fucking get to that. <laughs> yep. Um, and uh, meanwhile, up on the station, teenage uh, leader from the Dauphin, right? Isn't that is the same episode? Yeah. yeah. TNG rehash. Yeah, basically. Uh, uh, she has got to learn how to, like, um, not be so worried about what people think of her in the negotiating room. And just... I guess. Get down and bark. Well, she's like, oh, if I'm weak... If my if my father compromised, they'd say it was because he was a genius or whatever. And if I compromise, they'll say it's because I'm weak. So she has to, like, learn to just, like, you know, be not, comfortable. Not care and, so much about what people think. Yeah, be comfortable and yeah. just get down there and make deals. Um, anyway, I give it a four on the take. Okay, yeah, um, you, me, and Ben, by the way, all agree that this is an episode about leadership in some way. Right. Um, so what I had written down was, uh, being named a leader doesn't make you one. I get that, yes. Um, like, there's, 
uh, let's just jump in. I think that's only about a five, but I'm just jump right into execution here. This is the plot on the planet mm. is fucking beat for beat the Nagus. <laughs> yeah, here we go again. Why? You oh. just did this episode. Like, the guy knows that the real leader is supposed to be his apprentice. But he has to give him this fucking final test where he proves that he's the leader by naming an incompetent person to the right. job. It's exactly the same as Zek making Quark the new Nagus and hoping that his son... Shapes up. ...will do what it takes to become the real leader. I agree. That, that is, just happened! It is a rehash of two episodes ago or whatever. Uh, also, by the way, fuck you, Bashir, for explaining the entire A story out loud almost at the end. I know. Well, just in case you fell asleep halfway through. Uh, way to trust the audience. Also, fuck you, Rick Berman. I gave it three points for execution. Okay. At least the B story was not that same story also. It's not whatever the B story was from the Negus, which no one could possibly remember. Yeah. Uh... It's, I mean, it's just like... It's not good. For, forget that the next generation just did this. Right. The, we are... This is week 13. The Negus was week 10. It's the same story. I know. I'm with you. It wasn't good. So this is my question. Which Deep Space Nine writer <laughs> was convinced that the wrong person was in charge of Deep Space Nine? <laughs> And just kept putting it in. And that he was eventually eventually going to be named Roddenberry's successor on this project. That he belonged in charge? Yeah. That's a very good question. I would like to look at the writing list on these episodes in particular. Who got the credits? Now, I know that SAG rules mean that only a certain number of people can be yeah. assigned each episode, and they might not necessarily appear, but I would at least like to see what the commonalities are. It's probably are. fucking Brandon Braga or whatever, right? Well, That's he got the... his show eventually. It was called Enterprise, and it was terrible. I'm just saying, like. Is that what happened? Is that what... Why? Because what else explains why they're going back to this well again three episodes later? I'll tell you what it is. They love TNG. Two guys were assigned to write an episode. They came up with the same thing. There was the one where Wesley had to be... Um, it was Pen Pals. Yeah, the Ensigns of Command? Uh, it was Ensigns of Command, but it was also Pen Pals. Oh, where so, uh, pen Wesley pals. has to uh, exert his will over the science team that he's been given to run. It was right. every it was oh, every fuck, TNG yeah. episode essentially, oh. and they both wrote the same episode, and they didn't have any good ideas, so they just went, "Yeah, we'll just run them both," and then they didn't sequence them really well. That's what happened because they're dumb. Here's the real problem from execution of my premise. Well, it's true that confidence is an important attribute of leadership, sort of like what we see from Wesley and Pen Pals. This whole episode's like a really bad scene. Crazy throngs of people shouting hate words at a scary cloud. Yep. An apprentice who is bad news and tries to murder a main character. Uh, which, oh, by the way, also happens in the Nagus. Because he's jealous or something. And a really silly antagonist. Again, it's that cloud. They're going to space Quark in the Nagus. That's all I'm saying. I know. It's not good. No, it's the it's very least bad. effective way to show this particular, again, truism. It's dumb for, for sure. Like... The B-plot is some kind of fucking TNG rehash on its own, which is the Dauphin. Dauphin. And, uh, I mean, no, yes, but the... It's a, it's a teenage girl it's, who's the leader of her own planet. She's got to learn to be her own person or whatever. What's the, what's the one with Maruk? 
the, the Akamarians. Uh, Riker kills his girlfriend. Riker oh, murders his girlfriend. Mm, yeah, I'm usually really good at naming episode titles. Uh, the survivors. The or no, something? Um, fuck. I can't remember. It's the one with the mercenaries who, right, all kind of look like Escape from L.A. era. Um, Kurt Russell. Um, the negotiations are like that. That's true. That's true. Well, anyway, all TNG rehash in the B plot. Uh, I could remember Sovereign Maruk, but I can't remember the name of that fucking episode. And I think it's for kids. I think the B plot's for kids. Oh, it is. Jake and Jake and Nog, they like the same lady. Yeah. But it turns out that she's also, by the way, she's also Queen Amidal. Yeah. The hard to score points there. And when are they going to start making episodes about Cisco? The well, World they Wonders. Not, they have so far completely chosen not to. The World Wonders. Avery Brooks Wonders. <laughs> the World Does Wonder. Execution. Avery Brooks is going to fucking throw his hat. Once again, I have to give a poor execution score. Just... One, because they didn't do a great job with the premise, but two, just a terrible episode. I gave it a two. Yeah. You did a Look, ba- you made a bad episode. It's hard to argue. This episode is very bad. Right. Um, but they did some world building. Okay, what do you got? It takes over two hours to reach Bajor by runabout. I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense. Um, these people, the, you know, the Bajorans? Yep. They have, like, um, like biological weapons and uh, solar sailboats. Yeah, yeah. We'll learn. Uh, but also a monster that lives in the woods. Yes, they have that. Um, oh, also, um, there's a lively sex trade in this village. They're, they're def- they definitely bring some young ladies to O'Brien. And it's definitely for sex. I have a lot of questions about... I feel like if we asked all the questions we have, this show would actually be five hours long. So, like, I mean, we're, we're why... for me is, what is Bajor? And yes. that's a one. That is a one. Why did that have to be on Bajor? It, it, no, it should not have been on Bajor. Just because they wanted to show you some stuff about Bajor, I think. Like, How the can Bajor the Federation episode. be courting the Bajorans for members? Like, I get that they're the enemies of the Cardassians, but these Oh, people, it's the Angel One situation. It's all strategic. These people believe in a monster that lives in the woods. I know, dude. The, these people uh, are fighting over a river that runs between two villages. It's not it's not a good scene. It's not any better than the Kess and the Prit. Also, we have seen many, many times that the Federation can destroy all of the Cardassians they want. At will. Very easily. It's just seriously, like a flick of their wrist. Like when they wrote the wounded in Clearly they did not intend for the Cardassians to be a major species. It's wounded season four of TNG, right? Yes. Because the Phoenix is a fucking nightmare to the Cardassians. I know, but we'll get into it in ten years when we get to that episode. But they undermine everything about it in that episode when they mention the big twenty-year war between them and it, the Cardassians. It makes no sense. And that you there go, could have been a war. No, well, just what it must be is some really dumb, limited war shit. I mean, it was a war in the very same sense that San Jose State and Stanford have a rivalry. <laughs> well, what I'm saying, it was a very one-sided war. They clearly didn't learn the lessons of people in today's world. The lesson being that you can't actually win a limited war. You can't win a war you're not trying to win. And I think that has to be it. I think they just were like, well, we just won't cross the border here. And we'll, you know, we'll push them back here. But we won't try to conquer or anything. Like, we're just going to, you know. And I think that's the only way the war with Cardassia can last 20 years. Because Cardassia sucks. Neither of these stories should have been about Bajor. Right. Okay. Anyway. Yes. Let me get back into world building here. Yes, please. 
Small stuff. Uh, something that I, I is like things that you would bring up. Uh, he says station log instead of captain's log. I don't know if we've talked about I've that. I've heard that before and I do like that. Okay. Uh, I also don't think it's supposed to take two hours to get from the station to Bajor. I know they moved the station out of orbit and over to the wormhole, but how slow are runabouts? I mean, they is, go at warp speed. It doesn't make any sense. Is there, like, an intrasystem traffic law? Well, let's put it this way. It didn't take two hours for Deep Space Nine to get there. It took them, like, 15 seconds. I just, uh. Were there just a ton of pre-flight checks? But I don't understand. I don't know. No, they've been in that fucking thing for two hours. The answer, as always, is bad writing. Bashir <laughs> says to O'Brien that he hasn't said a word in two hours. <sighs> the Cardi's adventures on Bajor really mess shit up, dude. Even Look, beyond I mean, death they moved and, a river twenty kilometers. That's so what I'm saying. even beyond death and destruction, they like left a shit ton of political issues. That's a weird labor of Hercules for them to have done. Like all colonialist powers, they they, yeah. they left a really divided planet behind them. That's great. Let's see some interesting and realistic repercussions from that. You will not. Instead of the fucking Dal Rock. Um. Jake agrees with Nog's assessment about what baseball's place is. Also, by the way, did the Cardassians let that shit go on because they thought it was funny? <laughs> it does seem like it would go against their ideas about order. Like, they're like, oh, a uh, hologram comes out of the woods. and uh, <laughs> They probably put so it there, dude. They, um, they use it. They <laughs> use it to, uh, to enforce unity among the village. It's a fucking, it's a cloud, man. A fucking hologram cloud comes out and then a guy holds up a rock. And then sparkling lights. I mean, here, take a look. I, mean, I got this. It's YouTube a thing Cardassians would go on vacation to see every year <laughs> during the five nights when the Dalrock appeared. <laughs> um, Are you going to be out there for Dalrock nights? Yeah, I'm going to Dalrock. Oh, nights. I'm going to go there, man. We're it's fucking, wild, man. These fucking rubes. You have no idea. We're going to smoke up, and we're just going to enjoy. It's the old be dude. Amazing. The old dude bangs every uh, every teenage girl in the village. It's insane. <laughs> I love Dal. I love the idea of Dalrock nights. Yeah. Um. Okay, so Jake agrees with Nog's assessment about what baseball's place is in Earth culture of the 24th century. It has no place. Mm-hmm. Um, this whole episode deals with different Bajoran villages and cultures and things. Um, By the way, we have yet to meet a single Bajoran political leader, right? I think that's right. In the whole run of Deep Space Nine, we've seen Kyle Pocket twice. By the way, we've already stranded her in the fucking Gamma Quadrant. She's gone. Uh... And we haven't even met Vedic Burial yet, dude. No, no. And other than that, yeah. the first political leader we meet is the little girl Tetrarch. Yeah. Which it turns out is a title for someone who runs one small village. Right. So, at least we're finally seeing some Bajoran stuff. It just doesn't rate. I gave, I gave World Building a three. Okay. Um, characterization. Um, would you like to go first? <sighs> yeah. Uh, first of all, most, most people are on their normal characters here, but there's one exception. And unfortunately it happens to the character that we have so far enjoyed the most or found the most realistic. Oh no. I think it's totally out of character that Quark doesn't sense that the Tetrarch is an important person in that room. That's true. And he offends her with the bubble juice by calling her a little girl. Like Quark would figure it out that she was somebody. I think you're right. I think that would be more in keeping with his character. Maybe it has to do with his blind prejudice against women? I don't know. I mean, maybe, but, like, I feel like that's uh, that's a real... That's not the quirk that we know. He blew it, for sure. Uh, Bashir is a smug asshole, as usual. O'Brien has really been downgraded to buffoon in this series. 
I feel like he's been that way for pretty much the yeah. You're right. This series in TNG, in this he was series. in Deep, yes in TNG he was like the every he was like an everyman, but yeah. like but sometimes he'd say something funny or clever, or you'd be right. like, oh okay, okay, this guy's on the ball. You could you could bend a rule with him on the sly, mm-hmm. like uh, whatever, fine. But he's full he's full on buffoon level in this when he gets up there to give the Dalrock speech. Yes, <laughs> once upon a time there was a there Dal was Rock. a Dalrock. And he hated uh, the villagers, dude. Cisco immediately takes sides in a local dispute. Instantly. I'm very surprised. Like, he is on he is on the side of the unpleasant man right away. Cisco, um The only reason he's better than Riker at diplomacy is because he cares less. I think that's it. <laughs> um Odo is just a mall cop in this episode. He's just trying to shuffle Jake and Nog along so they don't sit on the rail. Like, sit at the on the upper deck. Like, that's what he's doing. Yeah, dude, it's the Wild West. Smugglers and mercenaries. Oh, move along. Oh, no, this week Move along, children. There's no smugglers or mercenaries this week. It's just the teenagers. And, of course, uh, Nog can't read, but he has Ferengi business smarts. Um, it's a three. Like, again, most people are in character, but... Except for Quark, and unfortunately, Quark was the only good part of the show. <laughs> he was so the only far. one with character continuity. Yes, yeah. so I can only give it three points for characterization. Yeah, and about what you were saying about O'Brien, that's what had me so mad in the episode many episodes ago now, where where he sends Cisco sends O'Brien down to make first contact with Tosk yes. or whatever, and it's like, yeah, yeah, he's just sending the buffoon. Yeah, that's how much Cisco cares about first contact. The first alien to come through the wormhole. I don't know. This is. It's his whole goddamn job, by the way. <laughs> let's just uh, let's just send the buffoon, because he makes everyone kind of at ease a little bit, because he's so dumb. Ugh. Um, I also gave he's, him a three. I mean, he's definitely, he's the Stan Laurel of this show. Uh, absolutely, 100%. There's no Oliver Hardy yet. Uh, I gave it a three as well. Yeah. O'Brien can't stand Bashir, of course. Uh, yeah. Bashir has been written to be fucking insufferable. I think we're supposed to understand that. Yeah. Like, we're supposed to go, yeah, but of course he can't. Uh, also, O'Brien has a broken imagination. Yeah. <laughs> or either that or stage fright, because he gets up there and gives a real bad performance about the Dalrock. He does. Like, I feel like if he'd gotten up there and just sang Danny Boy, they would have had a better, like, more <laughs> oh, of the lights would have come. They've never heard that, dude. They would have fucking, there wouldn't have been a dry eye in the house. They'd have been like, oh, I don't right. know what just happened, but it was important. I don't know what a Glenn is, but... <laughs> is I'm that like fucking, a oh, He didn't sing Danny like Boy. I'm sorry, he sang the, the uh, Minstrel Boy. Oh, he loves that song. If he'd done Danny Boy, it would have been, the yeah, it would have been wrecked. The boy to the war has gone. They would have been like, I don't know what's In happening. In the ranks of death you'll find him. They'd be like, oh my god. I don't know what's happening, but it's Oh important. no. Yeah, you should Oh, make the lights. Fuck this cloud, man. He <laughs> should have pulled that one out. Yeah, no. But yeah, he just gets up there with his, oh god. Um, this is, um, I, I kind of like O'Brien on The Next Generation. He's not around much, and he doesn't do much, but it's like, there should yeah. be guys like him around there. And uh, they really are just, they just destroy him. On this show, his wife hates him. <laughs> I know. And, has, and he's just fucking... He's put he's out just, all the time. He's, he's grumpy. just a buffoon. He's, yeah, he's grumpy. He's the first guy who gets the aphasia virus. <laughs> yeah. It's just... Dude, I'm telling you, they made, for some reason... They went, oh, no one wants to be here. That's part of the plot, right? But then they took it and they went, so everyone's miserable and they're no fun. Yep. And it's like, That's you just made a show with like eight char- eight main characters and they're all terrible. 
Like, who are we supposed to like? Who are we? What? When a scene starts and we see them walk into a room, who are we supposed to go? Oh, good, this guy's in the room. It's nobody. Yeah, that's why DS Nine is by far the worst of the shows that we've that we've been doing so and, far. And I feel like they're going to eventually try to turn it around with Garrick. I know. Weird. I hope they do. I Which hope that comes weird, soon. A weird choice, but like, I feel like he is one of the better actors on the cast. But we'll if, see if it holds up. If they ever show him again, we'll find out. Um, and then, you know, I mean, you know, sooner or later they bring Worf around. Yes, that's helpful, but I have to warn you that, I don't know if you've seen them recently, but DS9 Worf is a lot less fun. That's no good. Uh, despite being a doucher, Bashir really just wants everybody to like him. Oh yeah, for sure. He's it, It's coming from insecurity. Yeah. Uh, Jake thinks it's okay to ring a girl's doorbell and then just walk inside without invitation. Yep. Just walk well, right his dad past runs her. the station. Yeah, he acts like it. What a fucking asshole. Nog's nervous around chicks, but his Ferengi education that everybody looks down on does come through for the teenage ruler of whatever. Yep. Uh, Cisco has some He can't good... read. I just want to keep bringing it up. <laughs> it's not his fault he can't read! Cisco has some good advice for this girl, but maybe as the independent party in the negotiations, <laughs> he should recuse himself from counseling <laughs> sessions with either party. Yep. But that wouldn't be Cisco. No, I gave it a three. It was not good. Not a job well done. Despite the fact that, again, not really seeing departures from characterization. It's no, just but the everything that's doing with him is bad. Yeah. It's like on Enterprise. They're the same every week, but they suck. Uh, I have added it up. It was easy this week, but uh, it's always easy when the numbers are low. Yeah. Uh, I do have some uh, some thoughts here. Um yeah. There's a scene with Cisco and Kira very early on in, like, maybe a turbo lift, or they're just supposed to be standing in front of something. It looks like a green screenshot, and I don't understand why they bothered with it. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know the cinematography's up to snuff. Uh, Tetrarch's a real weird title yeah. for the leader of a village. Agreed. Like, are there three other co-leaders, or is she in charge of the four quadrants of the village? Or, like... Did the Universal Translator just pick one? It, it just—I think it just messed up. Yeah. Uh, I have a real legitimate question for you: How much worse would the Star Wars prequels have been if they hired this little girl to play Padme instead of Natalie Portman, who's not good in Star Wars prequels? If anyone has listened to this pod show before, they know that we think nobody was good. Because they're all reading off of a page in front of a green screen and walking very slowly. I think it's Ewan like, McGregor does it best, but that's... It's, it's absolutely the worst conditions Yeah, for acting. Now um, imagine that this was the girl they got. Yeah, couldn't that would not have been good, for sure. Uh, did it seem like the timeline was weird here? Like, did Odo wait about 36 hours before he made Jake and Nog clean his office? <laughs> yeah, he put him in jail for a while. Then he pulled him out and had him clean up. It's like, um, that oatmeal's gonna be caked on. I mean, that's sort of his goal. Right, maybe that's his point. Yeah, like, he's gonna yeah you're gonna have to clean this up, but not now when it's wet. Yeah. I'm gonna sit in my oatmeal office to prove a point. What does he care? He I mean, he's basically care. made of oatmeal. They got him. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's spot on. Yeah. Uh, also, I almost think I would rather have seen... Instead of seeing Nog run out with the bucket and throw the oatmeal on Jake, I would almost rather have seen Nog filling Odo's bucket with oatmeal yeah. and then, like, heard the aftermath of it. Yeah, that would like, have been better. 
I think it would be... I'd like to see him mischievously filling the bucket with oatmeal from the replicator. Which, by the way, is 100% why they couldn't do that, because those replicators don't do anything. Oh, also, I don't think they're big enough to put a bucket in there. There's, it's always no, an it insert. Doesn't. You have to insert in. And that bucket is not a good shape for... Uh, Filling. Like, leaning up into a replicator slot. Yeah. Because it's... Now I actually kind of want to know how he did it. It's volcano-shaped. Does he have a... Maybe he had a funnel or, like, a <laughs> yeah. siphon? He poured him into, like, a really sweet carafe, and then he just... Anyway. He, maybe he decanted it using one of Quark's uh, security rods. There you go. That's what he did. Just ran down the security rod. Um, that's what I have for quick hitters. Uh, Alright, the only thing they know about this mission is that the magistrate told them his village is on the verge of extinction. And yet, yeah. O'Brien says this mission is hella routine, and he'll be a little more than a chauffeur. Seems like I might get a little more worried about what's up over there. Like, is it a plague? Or, like, a war. Yeah, what's like also what's gonna kill me? Send some more medical personnel? Yeah, he gives them no details except that they're on the verge of extinction, and O'Brien's like, oh, this is gonna be boring, you don't need to send me. I mean, like, I guess if they're just going there to figure out the situation and they can call for help, sure, but, like, not if it takes two hours to get there by runabout. I know, right? Uh, let's see, then, I, I mentioned the episode where the teenage leader in TNG, the Dauphin, um... Okay, so Bashir waited until they beamed down to the planet to check for airborne viruses. Yep. Probably should have checked that from orbit. That would have been a good one to check out. Does this chick even know what the fuck is happening with this practical joke in security? Oh yeah, this shouldn't make any sense to her. She she laughs along with them, but unless somebody explained all this stuff off screen, she's just faking. Like, who's Odo? Why does he have a bucket? Why did this you throw oatmeal has... on your friend? Because we see Jake explain it to her later. Yeah. So then, like, she's just laughing because the whole thing has the cadence of a joke. <laughs> exactly. She's like, I get it. I get jokes. Oatmeal's funny. <clears throat> a new voice appears to challenge the Dalrock. Who yeah, says that, that about themselves standing and talking? Um, the, the guy who runs the Mutado. <laughs> That's right. The bravest of his race. Into the sands of blood steps Walker Keel. It's always going to be Walker Keel for me. Walker Keel, the bravest of his race. Uh, it should be Walker Keel forever because that's a good episode that we will never get to. Um, it seems like it, but we're halfway to that episode. I'm glad that you went with B5 because I went Street Fighter. I thought he should have said, here comes another challenger. Yeah, no, I mean, it's basically the same. Um, why don't these villagers move away? Yeah, from the Dalrock. I mean, this shit happens, like, all the time. Like, why don't they just move five miles down the road? Doug, again, what is Bajor? I know. It's a, that, what is Bajor is the DS9 equivalent of what is the Federation. Yeah. That's all I had. Um, uh, ben didn't like this episode much. Neither uh, did I. He thought this was about how leaders manipulate people to get the change that they want. So I guess, sure. like... Sure, it's pretty cynical, but sure. That's what happened... That's definitely what happened when they um, invented the Dalrock, for sure. I agree. Well, people don't play baseball in the future. Uh, the By the first way, I'm glad Ben the... was able to get his stuff in on time. First time we've seen that an orb can do anything. Because, like, these orbs seem like they should be more important than they are. It's a shard of an orb that causes this Dalrock thing to happen. Oh, I mean, it transported them to the... To, to talk to the wormhole aliens in episode one. Yep, yep, but since then, yeah. not so much. Right. Um, We gave this episode a total of 24 points. Oh, DS9. That's real bad. 
What is it's, wrong um, with DS9? They can't dig themselves out. It's almost five points lower than their average, so they're not they're not moving in the right direction. It's you say worse this than every battle, week. It's worse than Battle Lines, Vortex, or the Negus. The last episode <laughs> we rated lower than this was Move Along Home. Um, they just, we have we have rated four or five episodes lower than this. They but keep digging themselves deeper. They really are. They're already the series that has no wins. Now we're thirteen weeks in, and they're not going to win this week. Um, they have slipped, so they're five points below Enterprise at this point, before this week. And I, I don't remember what I rated this episode of Enterprise, but this was not a good episode of Deep Space Nine. So yeah. it's at least possible that the Enterprise episode will score higher. Uh, they're really in trouble. They gotta start, they gotta th- come up with something, maybe like a giant intergalactic space war or something. I have been, uh, by the way, I gave best actor to the nosy village guy. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. Pe- yeah. yeah. Peek into the window. Yeah, yeah. Don't put on those robes. Uh, and I gave worst actor in this one to uh, Nana. Make it a double visitor. You, she really should have been more involved, given these were Bajoran problems. Yeah. No, she's not about her at all. In any way. Um, what else? What else did we see? Uh, what? What do you mean? What other? What was I going to say? Oh. I, I thought we were moving on. Are you doing quick hitters or? Oh, what else did we see this week? Yeah, yeah. no, I've, I'm done like with my quick hitters. Okay, uh, but yeah, no, Deep Space Nine is really in a hole. No, I've been seeing on the internet. Uh, so you know the podcast, The Greatest Generation, yes, which um, is much less ambitious than this podcast, but also they're going to finish real soon. Yeah, those jerks. Uh, they're they're uh, they took they're, the they're, easy road. They're, they're at chains of command now. Eh, they fucking pussied out. That's what I'm saying. Well, they do two episodes a week, but they just talk about a single episode of The Next Generation each time. Yeah. Uh, and I've been seeing, uh, should they continue on to Deep Space Nine questions in their forum? Oh, uh, you should send them this podcast and uh, say, and, don't do it. And a lot of people say, oh, no, no, Deep Space Nine is totally the best one. What? You just have to start on season three. Uh, well, like, the, just wait, don't so watch the first two seasons. people love the giant galactic space war? Yeah, I don't. So mm. we'll see what happens mm. with that. Um I'm going to be super mad about all the kit-bashed chips. I know that. Yeah, but you know what? They're doing so bad. It's it's going to go up for them. It can't go down. It can't really go down. So maybe Space War is going to be fine for them. They scored 24 out of a possible 80 points this week. and It and felt like gonna, it. It's going to drop their average Hey, again. this is one of those ones where we could not find the inverse. No, the, there's it, no inverse correlation here. Yeah, it was just straight up. This episode sucked, and it scored bad. Like, so, look, so far we've done Conscience of the King, which is a real B-minus Star Trek episode. Kind of sucked, yep. Uh, in the lead. Angel 1, an episode Oof. I have never liked, got not, my high score of the week. Not a good episode. Uh, so. Yeah, it's a bad week again. It's not a great week, but there's the correlation is factor is really not there. So anyway, uh, we watched two other episodes this week. So uh, in with a chance for Voyager is uh, is the episode Faces. Oh, they found those dudes again. Those dudes with the phage who steal yep. body parts. Uh, they keep running into those dudes. And this time they kidnap Tom Paris, Bellana Torres, and that guy that showed up randomly out of nowhere last week. What's his name? Uh, Lieutenant Creepyface. Durst, but uh, yeah. it, uh, I think of him as uh, uh, Kieran. Kieran McDuff. 
Kieran McDuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, they ran into those guys again, and some of them got kidnapped, so the rest of the time they're trying to figure out how they can get them back. Meanwhile, it turns out that the crazy scientist who's kidnapped them is trying to uh, isolate DNA that might be uh, a little bit more resistant, resistant to, to the, the phage. phage, and he thinks Belana's Klingon DNA might do it. So he makes a Klingon her and a human her. Enjoy, everybody! Yeah, um... Yeah, so it's the enemy within. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's racist. Yes, it is. Extremely. So it's 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 the racist version of the enemy within. Now my um, question is, did you go ahead and and stack stack that into the take or into the execution? So that was my zero point cynical take. Oh, uh it's in the I put the in the execution. Okay. My anger about that's in the execution. Alright, good. Me too. Um but I did send you my screenshot of my zero point cynical take for this episode, which is the enemy. What if the enemy within was racist? That's right. Um, okay. So here's where I am. Even the traits you despise in yourself help you manage through life. Right. I have almost the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, fine. Yeah. But so what? It's a four. Yeah, I have uh, one's most hated traits can also be sources of strength. Yeah, since that's the idea of this episode. I thought the take was better. I I thought it. I thought the take was a was a seven. I I oh. liked I liked the way it was. I like the way the take here is couched as opposed to the enemy within or whatever, which is you need your asshole fuck up side. You need your dickhole side. So I feel like that is a stronger take and a slightly worse message. Right. This is a weaker take and it's more cliched, which is why I rated it, I think, lower. I see. Okay. But it's another episode about the duality of people. So. I, you know, it's the enemy within. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just the enemy within with a less plausible explanation. Well, yes. For how it happened. If you want to get into execution, jump in. <laughs> and a bizarre resolution. Uh-huh. They're not reintegrated at the end. The Klingon half just gets killed. But then she gets her Klingon stuff back. Oh, but Doctor's a miracle worker. But the the hologram doctor puts her Klingon DNA back in her because otherwise she can't do proteins right. Dude, every week he just band-aids the plot. Yeah. He just goes, I fixed it, the end. He does. He shows up at the end and says she lost her memory. She won't even remember her dad dying. That's exactly right. And then like, fine. (laughs) Who cares? So that's where Voyager learned it. Um. Uh, so it sucks on ice that the entire portrayal of her Klingon side is angry and violent, and her human side is weak but smart. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just there's just no nuance. Yeah. Like we don't. Her Klingon half is all of the Klingon stereotypes by virtue yes. of DNA alone and not Including... environment. Including, um, she puts on a Lursa and Bator voice. Yeah, so what we are being And told, does seduction. So what we are being told is that, that that is all genetic. Yep. Not environmental, because this Klingon did not grow up on Kronos among Klingons. This Klingon was created in the lab and had Balana's experience. Yes. Same as her human half. Like, genetics make Klingons think there's honor in dying while attempting escape. That's genetic. Yeah, that's That's genetic. It's not much better than if it was like her Asian half is crafty, inscrutable, and great at math, but yeah, her no, black it's, half it's, is going to do slam dunks all over the place. Hundred percent. It's a hundred percent the same, and um, and they they didn't. 
it doesn't come up anywhere else in the episode. Like, there's nothing in here about, like, two aspects of Tom Paris's personality. Yeah. No. Or Chakotay or anything. Like, Janeway's not in this episode. No, just it's, so everyone uh, at home, in case you didn't watch or weren't paying attention, basically this episode is human Bellana Torres and Klingon Bellana Torres have to work together to escape this evil lab. Yeah, that's that's essentially what it is. So she has to work it with takes, the side of herself that she hates. It takes half an hour to get there. Yeah. Uh, but that's what it is. Um... Yes, there's I no one it. else. No one else has to go through the same thing as her. There are no other ways that it's that it's measured in the episode. It's just straight up her Klingon half and her human half. Yeah, I gave it a two for execution because this is this episode is fast twitch muscle fibers mm-hmm. and uh, too dense to be a good swimmer. Yes, it is. Yep, I gave it a one. Yeah, I gave it a one. It's just like, did they not know that this was just some racist nonsense, or is it okay because Klingons aren't a real race? I feel like that's how Star Trek has always worked. So Star Trek according to Gene Roddenberry, was this idyllic future paradise where all the races of Earth could work together to kill aliens. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yes. Have all of the same conflicts they have with each other in the 1960s, but with aliens. Feel all of the racist things they feel about each other in the 1960s, but against aliens. Yeah. And TNG has not moved the ball very far from that. But and then is Voyager the f- is still in the sort of the TNG era. This is the fourth series. I we've know. had cl- we've had uh, at this point. If I'm doing the math right, we've had ten years of a Klingon main character. Yeah. By the time Voyager hits the scene. Uh, so let's see. It started the year after TNG went off the air. Oh, really? Yep. It so it, th- there was that much overlap with Deep Space Nine. Yeah, DS Nine is season six and seven of TNG, and as soon as TNG ends, the next year Voyager starts. So Voyager season three of oh, DS Nine. So there's more overlap. I figured it started around <laughs> six and seven of, of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Okay, so so there, we've had a seven years of a Klingon main character. Yes. Yeah, but this is, we're gonna get some racist nonsense. Exactly. <laughs> Worf is all of all kinds of different things. Although we yeah. haven't really explored his character, but what we've seen of him. But but at, but at this point, if you were watching it, like this is it's uh, anyway mm. very bad. Um, I was joking me, about what Michael Dorn always says that we tell haven't me, really explored Worf's character. <laughs> tell me about um, world building. Was there any world building? Okay, hold up. This dude extracted her Klingon genetic material. Right, it was extracted, converted from matter to energy, and then she was rematerialized as a Klingon lady. Yeah, that second step doesn't seem necessary, by the way. Who did what? That explanation meant nothing. That's negative world building. And, as a throwaway line, he knew he shouldn't have given her her memory and personality. (laughs) But he did! So that the plot would work. (laughs) So that they could do the episode they wanted. Also, literally no explanation for why he bothered to make a human one. Right. Well, no, what they really made it seem like was that by taking out her Klingon DNA, that that was a thing you could do, that a human would be left, not a dead person. Yes. Uh, I mean, I guess... So that's not going to score positive points for world building. Now, here's the thing. You know how you hadn't seen very many of the Voyagers and were already past where you were when you stopped watching? Yeah, I definitely had never seen this piece of shit before. It's definitely among... So only this, only Voyager and Enterprise have I not watched a bunch of times. And I didn't remember that these Phage guys came back. Yeah, I figured we would never see them again. So I have to give it continuity points for the Phage guys coming back. That's world building to me, that these guys are actually back, doing the same shit they were doing before. There's something you're going to have to deal with. You might Mm -hmm. have to see them again, who the fuck knows. 
I guess at this point, who does know? Uh, more Talaxians. There's another Talaxian in this episode. There is another Talaxian. I don't really think that's world building, but that's fine. Well, it's, because it's for the, sort of for the same reason. We'd only seen Neelix. Yeah, well, I guess we know that there's he wasn't the only one, but who, who thought he was? I guess that's true. Um, symptoms of the phage we learn a little bit more about when when Bolana's going through it. Um, it's a four. But now oh. that but now that feels generous because I realize the first half of it is negative world building. I'm gonna give it a three. Okay. Um well you you're still generous because uh I gave it a one. So here is where we are. First of all, we don't learn anything new about the Vidians. They literally are doing the same shit. If anything they I mean they just they're just now they're pure villains. Right. In this one. It's kind of a backstep for them. It's true. Uh, they did seem... They at least we're getting the sympathetic side of them when Janeway is, had to figure out what to do with them in the other one. It, it scored so high before because of the parallel with what is Voyager going to have to do to survive. Right. That's why that episode is still our points leader. Yeah, because finally somebody took a thoughtful take and didn't hit us over the head with it either, and it was just like, oh, okay, I see what's happening. I like the um, way that was handled. Anyway, there's nothing new about those guys here. So here's what I've got. Okay. Transporter relays. Okay. All right. Mag- Magnesite <laughs> blocks sensors. That's right. that's one that's one point. That's a one point world building. And you didn't you didn't like any of the things I said. What well, the things you said are bad. I know. <laughs> All right, I agree. All right, good job. <laughs> All you right. said bad things, and they're bad. You didn't give them continuity points, then, I'm guessing, because they didn't learn anything about them. That's it. No. Okay. All right. Well, fair well Also, they didn't learn anything about themselves, and we'll get to that. I actually have it in quick hitters for some reason. Uh, characterization. Tom Paris uh, likes peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. That's nothing. I know, but he's, he's in the episode, but he doesn't really do anything. I felt like I should put that in there. He makes one weak attempt to be, like, the ranking officer in this prison camp, but No one whatever. cares. Yeah, no one. Hey, you know, that's the guy from his prison. Whole, his whole half of that prison camp thing is nothing. He's from yeah. prison, so maybe Let's he knows see about some of prison. His prison tricks. I mean, yeah. I guess he told him we have to watch out, you know, see what the guards do or whatever, but uh, unless he was, like, plotting an escape <laughs> from that from that Federation Dude. prison in New Zealand or whatever, and I they just th- never learned about it? I think that's us learning about it. I think mm. we are learning that he was definitely planning an escape from that penal colony. Mm, I'd love for it to come up. <laughs> he Again. was planning a Rogadanar-like escape from that colony. Okay. Uh, Janeway's hair went back to big old buns. Big old buns town. Yeah, what happened? She got. She didn't like the new do. I didn't like it either, but, you know. Balana grew up as the only Klingon, and she felt she, wa- she, felt she was watched and judged by everybody. Yeah, and rather than be mad at humans for that nonsense... She's mad at Klingons. She's mad at Klingons. <laughs> Maybe that's why she's so standoffish, except for those scenes in the cafeteria where she's all chummy with everybody. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I get it. Her Klingon side is tough as nails, and decisive as the guy who almost robbed Jet Li. But <laughs> her human side is careful and thoughtful. This shit is racist. Um, Chakotay's really calm <coughs> about these two Balanas. Like, I wouldn't know what to say about them shits. Yep, uh, he really he really Mark Twain's it. He's a better there. he's a better man than me for sure. Yeah, uh, I gave it a three. Okay, um, I mean, so we get some 
uh, back backstory for Bellana. Mm-hmm. Um, but also a very unnuanced portrayal of her Klingon and human halves. It's not good. Right. It's not good. Uh, almost no one else is in this. I actually gave it a two. Um, Bellana's backstory mm. is a worse version of the the very first Bechdel test passing scene in The Next Generation with Kalar. Where Troy is talking to Kalar? Yes. Okay. About their halvesiness, right? Yes. You're half. I'm half. Although Troy doesn't really have. Well, you know, Troy, she doesn't. She doesn't like her mom, but I think she Troy likes Betazoids. Ain't, ain't too busted up about it. Yeah. Um. So, you know. Again, a, a two, a yeah, two yeah. for for characterization. That feels fine. S- so I'll do the math. Did you bother to write down any quick hitters on uh, this thing? You know I did, man. Regeneration phase concluded. Deactivate the Genetron. Shut down the Biomatrix. Those are my favorite <laughs> Deltron lyrics. I did. It's true. I did. My synopsis for this is a fully Klingon Bellana is regenerated in a Genetron. <laughs> uh, they definitely sent gravitation to automatic. <laughs> I just felt like you could very easily mess with the cadence on that line and make that Deltron. For just yeah, Del- Deltron has a rap about that that didn't make his second album. For sure. Um, so, Plomeek soup is tomato soup. Yep, appears to be tomato soup. That's kind of a bummer. Serving that unless, in a glass unless bowl. Tomatoes, unless tomatoes are something that Neelix added to it. Oh, that's true. He did make it zesty. Um, serving that in a glass bowl kills the mystery. Yeah, shouldn't have done that. You suppose Garrett Wang's performances are so bad because they always have him spouting awful techno babble or shouting out breadcrumbs like a fucking frittata? I mean, frankly, he's got a rough. He's got a rough evidence, <laughs> true. Like, what is he supposed to do with that? Last week, he sat still, lost in thought until everyone <laughs> pointed phasers at him. And this week, he shouts breadcrumbs um, like, a, like he works at Burger King, like a Burger King manager, maybe. And, uh, <laughs> by the way, dude, I think this is evidence of the thing you were saying earlier about line officers in that from episode one, even before half the crew dies, he has a spot on the bridge. And I think that means from then on, he'd be allowed to sit in the observation lounge and talk strategy with them. And yeah. he clearly does not belong there. But how did he qualify? That's, he does not belong there. He knows his mom, his mom, who was going to send his clarinet or whatever. Yes. Must have. She, she greased some palms or something. Yeah, dude. She greased Got some poles. Got him a line officer spot. Greased Jesus. some fucking poles is what she did. Um, Maybe, look, we don't know how much she loves her kid. Uh, so that was me trying to defend him, but really he just sucks. He's not a good actor. He's um, not a good actor, and but also the lines are very bad for him so far. Why, if we already talked about this, why does Balana's accent and speech pattern change if she becomes a full Klingon? But yeah, why, my, though? My question there is explain Worf. But why, though? Yep. So these are the crazy... I mean, like, because her teeth are different, but, like, it doesn't explain why she growls like an animal. And, like, it's really s- stunted and... And, she, and she, she's doing Lursa. Yeah, it, like, exactly. Th- we've seen it. You're doing Lursa. But that, not even Bator. No. <laughs> You're not even doing Bator. <laughs> well, that, why isn't that on a shirt? You're doing Lursa, but you're not even doing Bator. Because people would think it was sexual. That creepy little lieutenant got captured, thank God. And do they wear his face later? Uh-huh. Thank God. Enough of that guy. Yeah. Wasn't into him. 
I didn't like that he was there because uh, it made me think we were in a better episode. Yep, I didn't like it either. A dude shows up and has lines. I'm like, wait a minute, what the fuck? Why, what are we doing? It's just like, hey, there's a new lieutenant on the bridge all of a sudden. Where'd he come What's from? What's Harry Kim still doing up there? <laughs> Where'd he come from? I thought they only had so many people on this ship. Yeah. Uh, oh, gross, this old dude is feeling a perverted impulse in his wanger, and he's about to diddle a lumpy Klingon broad. Yep, that's for sure. So the actress who plays Bellana wanted to show her face and get out of the makeup, right? So she got an episode where half the time she was in twice extra makeup. makeup. Why else would yep. they come up with this terrible basic sci-fi plot? Yep. This is the grossest honeypot I've ever seen. Scratch that. Star Trek V wins that one every time. Oh, you don't like Uhura? On the, uh... Hello, boys! Doing her, doing her fan dance? It's not great. That uh, planet must have been so horny for that to even have a chance. It's really gross. Okay, I don't know if you've been down here on, um... In the town of Paradise on the Nimbus planet 3. of... Nimbus uh, 3. Nimbus mm. 3. Uh, it's horny down here. The people get raw! All day. We fuck on tables and all that. Yeah, it gets dirty down here. Uh, this turned into some fucking Silence of the Lambs shit right after that, though. Was... Yeah, there's a ton of fucking mutilation horror in this episode with, uh... Including wearing Lieutenant's face. Wearing the Lieutenant's face, which, um... Was nasty, for <laughs> what sure. What the fuck, Voyager? What are we going for? That DS9 episode was for kids, what's this? And then we gonna treat ourselves to Chakotay as a Vidian also. Ugh. So we're gonna get a little more. It's true, they made an alien species that every time they're on screen you kinda go, Ooh, that nasty. Don't, don't like that. Uh, those restraints are crap. Just because yeah. she's a Klingon, she can snap them like they're made of the same stuff those old metal bookcases we had throughout our home growing up were made out of. That's, that's a good point. Should we maybe have a side conversation about those, those things? Those lasted for years, though. That's true. But they seemed really bent up and brittle. Anyway. Have you considered the possibility, by the way, that they were not put together correctly? Yes. Okay. Yes. I don't think you can even still get those. Like, they just used regular hardware, like regular nuts and bolts. They really did. I don't Like, now know. there would be an Ikea-style cam system or something holding them together. I don't know if you can get them, because I will never try to find them. Well, it doesn't matter. So they were meant for garages. They were not meant for in-your-house. Clearly. Sorry, everybody. Um, best actor... We had some bad shelves, that's all. Best actor, end of episode, Bellana. Worst actor, Klingon Bellana. Mm, Worst actor, Lifetime Achievement Award, Garrett Wang. Yes. <laughs> that was the end of my my takes, my quick hitters. Uh boy, you covered a lot of mine. Uh the, so the way Klingons talk is genetic, explain Worf. Um Ugh. Voyager. Crew of Voyager. Stop exploring caves looking for mineral deposits. I, I... It's the Vidians every time. Just don't go out there anymore. Just stay in the ship. It's the same shit. They were just looking for dilithium last time when the Vidians straight up stole Neelix's lungs. They're not on the ball. Now they're going to go into these other caves because there's fucking magnesite deposits down there. So let's send three people there and then leave. With By the, the way, those hide sensors. You can't, you can't scan them. Yeah, you can't do, can't do any sensor stuff down there. Oh. Couldn't possibly be the Vidians. Oh, yeah, they're not on the ball. Um, That egg crate insulation they have the prisoner sleeping on that's not cheap that stuff ain't cheap that's right you gotta like sound insulation yeah it costs a lot to uh, cover your walls and that shit uh i actually liked that balana's weak ass seduction attempt failed yeah because it wasn't good it was not it was not good maybe you uh i was really mad at you one second ago but maybe you want to get raw because klingons get raw i thought it was weird that human and klingon balana are the same height 
Yeah, apparently DNA did not give her any uh, any height advantage. Oh, what, I'm sorry. One of the things DNA actually does determine. <laughs> That's right. One of the few things Your height? that this that could have applied in this episode. Because <laughs> <clears throat> uh, every Klingon we've seen has been tall, sometimes to the point where that's the whole joke. James Worthy. Yep. Uh, I gave best actor to Vidian Chicote for his performance of. I thought you had been informed. <laughs> or I was told you were informed. I don't remember the exact words. It was the only natural dialogue in the whole episode. Uh, I often will give a, the best actor award to someone who get luck, lucks into a line of dialogue that someone That's, might actually yes, say. That sounds like a real line. <laughs> yeah, just sounds like a human said it. Yeah. Uh, worst actor I gave to human Bolana oh, uh, with the uh, close second of Klingon Bolana. All right, fuck it, fuck you, Bolana. Uh, I give this nine points. Oh, you gave not it great. F- 14 for a total of 23. Oh, no. Um, but if I flip over here to my email, uh, yeah, 23 points sucks. It's worse than the storyteller. That's so bad. Uh, if I flip over here to my email, uh, Mr. Ben Town wrote in and oh. gave this episode 27 points. Oh. Making it his pick of the week. Dude, his score smashed our combined score. Yeah, he scored it three high, four higher than we scored it together. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> 27 is really so, hard to give it for one person. Like, we've only given a f- couple of things 27 of, like, one of us. So let's dig into this. All right, man, this is a real racist episode, uh, Ben. Six points he gave for the premise, saying, okay. uh, the faces you wear don't matter as much as what's inside. Torres is still Torres even when extracted into two parts. Just different aspects of the same personality. Not like Kirk, a la the enemy within. So we strongly disagreed. Yeah, we had the opposite there. <laughs> strongly disagreed. Um, is it just because at the end, when she had some engineering to do, human Bolana wasn't a coward? Because, like, coward Kirk fights mean Kirk at the end of Enemy Within. Yeah, they do. Uh, execution, he gave an eight. I don't understand. I don't understand. This episode was a wet diaper. Was it just based entirely on execution of his premise? I guess. And not based at all on what the episode was like? Uh, he says... Imagine a Japanese Ben and a Euro Ben. So maybe this episode hit close to home because he feels divided in some way. Maybe he feels racist in some way. (coughs) Oh, I shouldn't have said all this stuff about Asians being good at math and inscrutable. Yeah, he's he's that's probably he's decent at math. Probably does hit close to home. He's an accountant and everything. (laughs) Uh, He says Chicote is like the worst person to be a spy. Um, I'm inclined to agree. But, well, because um, he's such a hippie, he's going to give it away, because there ain't no one else yeah. in the galaxy as sensitive as him, and he's going to walk into some room, and they're going to go, kill them! And he's going to go, no, wait. He likes the twist, and I guess I agree with this one thing, that half of Bolana dies, that they don't reintegrate her at the end, but then, like, they still do, so fuck it. Yeah, they do anyway. Uh... He gave a 7 for world building. I think mostly for the Vidians coming back. Though he does make the point that it's the first time we've seen anyone respond in a reasonable way when Chakotay gets that landing party out of there when the Vidians show up. What do you mean? Like, like Janeway tells him not to fight. Oh, yeah. And as soon as those guys show up, they sure as hell beam out of there. Oh, yeah, they're not interested in... And dicking around down there. Yeah. Um, let's see. He thinks it would be nice to trade Neelix in for the other Talaxian. 
<laughs> Why not? Just beam Neelix down, beam that guy speedier. up. Let's yeah, give it a shot. Can't hurt. Even he gave it a six for it. characterization. I mean, he just liked everything about this episode. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying uh, to remember that 27 out of 40, like to a lot of people, isn't going to sound like an amazing score, but just compared to what we've actually awarded on this show. And uh, he thought it was gross that they uh, made a reference by telling Polana that they were going to take her for a shower and a hot meal, which, of course, is what they told the Jews in the camps. Oh, yeah, that's... Yeah, so that's This that's episode, creepy. man, this episode. That's creepy, but this this episode was really not a science fiction episode. It was a horror story. Kind of, yeah. About like, with us, the, with... Face, the face-wearing guy. Yeah, it was a horror story based on a really basic sci-fi plot. I turned you into two people, and you have different different characteristics. Look, the two aspects of your personality have been made manifest. Now I'll wear your face. <laughs> I shall be the face. <laughs> uh, Alright, what okay. else did we do this week? Uh, Since that episode is apparently the loser in the clubhouse. Uh, I mean, so far. Ugh. Again, it's possible for an Enterprise episode to score worse than 23 points. Yeah, they didn't last week, but it's possible. It's hard to, though. It's not easy. I mean, uh, we've scored a 23 way, and a 24. That's bad. By the way, Voyager is officially on the slide, because their last three episodes have scored 25, 22, and now 23 points. Yeah, they lo- they had some mogo going, and they, they lost it. Yeah. Um, this week we watched uh, Sleeping Dogs. Who let the dogs out? Who- I tried to find I, tried I, to find the clip from The Simpsons where she's listening to the Radio Disney version where it's Who Left the Milk Out. <laughs> uh, could not find it. I should point out, though I'm not supposed to talk about family on this pod show, Mother did buy me a shirt that said, I let the dogs out. And I thought... She she must know that that's not a joke that people tell anymore, right? About the dogs. Well, since we're... I mean, since we're violating our oath here... <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. For Christmas, she bought me a shirt that said... Uh, I can explain it to you, but I can't understand it for you. Hmm. Uh, which is like... Man, is that how she thinks of me? <laughs> you took it... You took it as her critique of your personality. Like, that I would wear that and be like, I'm a lot smarter than you. <laughs> and I'm frustrated by how not smart you are. All right, I'm sorry. Let's get back into this. Anyway, we watched Sleeping Dogs. Um, Enterprise runs across a ship adrift in the lower atmosphere of a gas giant. And it turns out to be Klingon. Then a survivor uh, steals their shuttle pod. Kentapal, Hoshi, and Reed the dream team fix the Klingon ship and escape and can Archer convince the Klingons that he's uh, not their enemy. Matt, what, what the fuck? What was this episode about? Yeah, it's another one of these where you work really hard, except I, I already had inspiration from earlier in the week. Confidence in yourself. That's what'll win the day. Let me just explain. Yeah, you're gonna have to because okay, cool. I don't know what you're talking about. So, Hoshi's newfound sense of badassness Helps her yeah. to come up with the right plan, sort of, on the ship. Where she's just like, balls to the wall, like, this is the new Hoshi. Because I'm, I'm adjusting to my environment, I'm not afraid I of space. I shot a phase pistol earlier. Yeah, I'm shooting phase pistols, and I'm like, no, shoot all the torpedoes, because I'm a badass now. Uh, meanwhile, Archer's confidence in his approach with the Klingons, which is trying like hell to get them to not hate humans, leads him <laughs> to keep trying, 
even after Tucker suggests that they quit. And finally, he learns a thing or two about how the Klingons, in particular, respond to a confident approach. I'm giving this a three. It's one fewer point than DS9's take on confidence for being even more vague and obvious. But that's all I could come up with. Yeah, well... I feel like I defended it very well. I mean, I think we talked about this. I never really abandoned my cynical first approach to this episode because I never came up with anything better. Yep. And frankly, you have not talked me into anything better. <laughs> right. Um. So here's... For this episode, I have... No good deed goes unpunished. Yes. That's also true. It's three points. I mean, it's just... It's just, it's just like... Instantly, the one bitch is like... You're... You're intruded. You're an intruder on my wrecked ass ship. You couldn't possibly be here to help. I'm gonna go up and I'm gonna I'm gonna call your mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your mom is the Klingons in this case. Agreed. It's just um. And then the Klingons do the same at the end too. Well, I mean, I get three points, so let's get right into it. Yeah. Uh, I gave it three for execution, also. Okay. Um. This show seems intent on ruining every Star Trek race. Yes. The Vulcans are sneaky, stuck-up liars. Yep. The Nausicans are sinister English poets. Yes, they are. And now we get to see the worst, stupidest Klingons. Yeah. Like... Yes, everything that Enterprise touches is ruined. But they had... It's gotta be intentional. Well, I think it was so. I think it was intentional. They're like, we're gonna put our own stamp on things. All the things you know about Star Trek, we're gonna like, we're gonna spin it Enterprise style. Now that I finally sent O'Brien back to Deep Space Nine, yeah, I'm running. I'm gonna tell the Dal Rock story the way I want to, <laughs> right. and everyone's gonna hate each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, is that all you had for execution? <laughs> yeah, just not just, good. It's just. It's just bad, and it's bad, and it's bad. Alright, so this episode was not amazing, and the character work was pretty basic, it won't get a lot of points there. However, it is good to see the crew performing ably, like Starfleet crews we've come to know and love in other shows. Like, Mm. TOS and TNG's crews, do they live in a different world, one where the Federation's powerful and important, and so they get to kind of confidently enter every difficult scenario and just keep coming up with solutions until they win the day. Voyager, a little bit, because they're out on their own stranded, and especially Enterprise crews have it tougher and seem to spend a lot of time flou- a lot of time floundering around. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, every week, that's why we come up with the take for Enterprise, do humans belong out here? I mean... So... This one's not so much about that. Right, but... so this can be done... It can be done effectively, but it hasn't been done effectively in Enterprise, where they're like facing all these challenges. but So after a while, it's kind of nice to see them win something and be confident and do their jobs well and come up with solutions and stuff instead of just fucking up. So in that way, I thought this felt this felt like a Star Trek episode for once. Now, Interesting. The, the final solution on the ship wasn't amazing because it seemed really rash. Yeah, kind of dumb and, and bad. only accounted for part of the solution, because the crew on the Enterprise also sent a beefed-up shuttle to save them. Yes, and also... When... Like, ramping up from one torpedo to all the torpedoes... Yeah. ...is not exciting. 
No. It's just like, I mean, it proposes that sometimes the solution is just do it more. Just do it more and better. It didn't work the first time, but... (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's not great. Just based on my premise and the overall tone of the episode, I thought it was fine. I gave it a seven. Good God. (laughs) I just thought, hey, you know... You think it delivered on the premise of confidence is key to leadership Uh, to the point of a seven? Well, confidence key to leadership was DS9. Confidence, confidence in yourself will win the day or help you accomplish any task or whatever. However, you want to phrase it in this one, a little okay. bit less specific, which okay. is why it scored worse on the take. But I thought, I don't know, I thought they did fine. I thought it was fine. Okay. Um, uh, world building is uh, has traditionally been the highest scoring category for. Enterprise. They got it the easiest. They get to do all the prequel stuff. Yes, they get to explain how shit works. Right. Um, I didn't think they really crushed it with world building on this one, but there are a few things. Okay. Uh, apparently, gas giants make whale music. Yep, that's right. Yep, didn't know that. No one understands why. It'll never come up again. Yes. But there it is. <laughs> yes, well, who knows what that's worth. Whale song. <laughs> uh, Klingons don't use escape pods. That is a cool thing to know about. That sort of fits in with their character or whatever. I get that. Klingons have photon torpedoes. Okay. Klingon hulls are reinforced in some way. Uh, okay. Got anything else? Because that's three points for me. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, they got The old sidearm was the EM-33. Yep. Uh, they have target drones that they shoot at for practice. And... You, don't have to, you don't have to track with this one because... You don't have to compensate for um, particle drift. Yeah, whatever. Uh, it seems like they either have to be certified on new sidearms, or Hoshi was just brushing up. I guess it's not really clear. It's uh, true, but we won't ever see that again anyway in any of the other series, so that's something. Well, there's the phaser range on yes. PNG, but that that's seems a like place a... to go to have a minor argument about something. <laughs> that's exactly correct. That is where you go to have a very polite argument. That's where you go to where you do learn some a lesson. business while you talk. You learn a lesson, though, at the end. Yeah. Somebody walks out satisfied, and somebody walks out puzzled, but like on the way to learning something. Oh, okay. Um, I guess they still have the common cold in this era. Right. So that's good to so know. So it's sometime between now and the next generation. I don't remember yet whether it comes up in... Uh, TOS. Yeah. TOS. Uh, to Paul... I do know that... By the end of TOS, kidney dialysis means you eat a pill. <laughs> doctor gave me a pill and it grew me a new kidney. That, that the doctor carries around all the time. He just has those. They're, they're all purpose. Where are my kidney pills? The pill's really smart. It knows what organ is fucked up. And it just grows it. Um, uh, by the way, I do want to award that one best actor for Star Trek IV. <laughs> T'Pol knows some stuff about Klingons, but I don't think it's correct. Like, I think, yeah. I think they're allowed to be rescued. I just like think... everything, everything we've seen so far about the Vulcans suggests that they don't care. So <laughs> yeah. why would she know anything about Klingons? Like, I think they are allowed to be rescued. I think they just aren't allowed to be taken prisoner. Yeah, seems like it's different. Yeah. Uh, either their phasers are weak sauce or Klingons can hella take a hit. Because they got to shoot that Klingon like a couple of times to put her, put her down. Let's remember to check in on that during Heart of Glory. Okay, all right. <laughs> Uh, this claims Klingons had photon torpedoes before Starfleet even knew what they were. Maybe they invented them. We don't know. Yeah. Uh, Klingons eat Targs, too, apparently. Okay. They, so there's a Targ in there, and they're like, they like their meat fresh. Okay. But again, she might not know what she's talking about. 
uh, Vulcan emotional training with T'Pol and Hoshi. That's a thing. She, like, tries to teach her some techniques. Correct. I gave it a five. I have that in characterization, by the way. Okay. I gave it a five. Uh, I will say this. You talked me up to a four with the idea that they might have to recertify on weapons. Right. You know, like, they got a new one. Now everyone's got to come in. It's a little bit. It's at least a bit of business. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't know that's what was happening, but maybe. Um, characterization, uh, traditionally Enterprise's lowest scoring. Yeah, they usually suck a big fan. Area. Uh, actually scored uh, highest for me this week. Okay. Um, because I gave it a five. Uh, here's some things that I noticed. Uh, Reed does impressions now. Sort of does a southern accent. Oof. Two weeks ago, he wouldn't reveal that his favorite food was pineapple. He does do impressions. Um, T'Pol is still pretty cold-blooded, but like she's willing to help if someone needs to become more Vulcan, I guess. Oh, that's true, yeah. Oh, you want to be more Vulcan? Well, now I'm your best friend. Uh, Hoshi finds a little determination. Uh, and This week, Archer can talk to an alien without sounding like he's about to cry. <laughs> so, it, for all of those reasons, it got as high as a five for me on characterization. Uh, I also gave it a five. Hoshi's struggles with the terrors of space are starting to turn around. T'Pol, as always, airs on the shitty side of moral questions like, shouldn't we try to help them? The Vulcans in this era are like the Minbari of Babylon 5. Just always being like, the problems of others. Not our concern. Yes. Uh, Reed, like you said, sort of does a southern accent. Tucker's got jokes and jokes, but it seems like bad timing. Yeah. Like, there, there's an emergency situation. We don't have <coughs> jokes. Archer read a book, and he used what he learned. I'm proud of him. He read that Wikipedia, that Vulcan Wikipedia. And yeah, he on did. Klingons. He did read it. Um, despite all the characters being, like, kind of equally involved in two different set locations, they broke it up so everyone could do something. I don't feel like we learned anything particularly new or saw anything notable or even reinforced any distinctive traits. Other nope, than, not. Other than the ones that I mentioned above, so it's it's just yeah. a five. Uh, quick hitters? Uh, yeah, sure, I've got some. Um, five episodes ago or whatever, they were, um, they were real surprised by holodeck technology. Yes. But now this is their standard target practice method? Yeah. Well, that's, um, they, that doesn't seem right. They adapted that pretty quick. Uh, the ship needs the universal translator to understand Klingon. But this Klingon can read the word Enterprise and knows that it's the ship's name. Good point. I mean, she just reads it out a window. That's, they don't call her. That's a good point. Um, I think it's a hack move that they show us Gok. Yeah. You remember like Klingons. Invent one new thing. Um, the old sexy decontamination room is a spa now, I guess. Uh, finally... Was there a point to Reed's cold that I missed? No. <laughs> Didn't matter at all, right? No. Didn't enter into the rest of the show in any way? Just yeah. a thing that happened. I'm trying to think about it. I don't remember it really. It's not a part of his resol- the resolution of the story at all. I know he on the ship he couldn't smell something, but that didn't matter. Didn't matter. Boy, yeah, no, I don't know. Nothing. Maybe it was yeah. the originally a part of the solution, and then they rewrote that part, and they forgot to go back. <laughs> take away his gold. Yeah. <laughs> Boy. Is that it? Um, you must have had some quick hitters, yeah, though. Yeah, only a few. I, I I feel like I never have that much to say about Enterprise. Um, 
that blurry screenshot of the Klingon ship in the beginning only works for real Trekkers who recognize the general layout of Klingon starships. Otherwise, that shot's kind of meaningless, even with the swelling music in the back. Yeah, this one's a little bit Vorcha-y. Yeah. But, like, yeah. if you're just some person watching, you're like, no, oh, that's ominous for some reason. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is the first time Archer's bothered to look up the Klingons in the Vulcan Wikipedia. Just like Picard, I don't think he's putting his off time to good use. He's encountered them a few times already, but he's like, finally I'll look them up. I'll read about the Klingons now. God, fine. He doesn't have anyone to tell him one of the things about them in the briefing study, so it's (laughs) doesn't have He doesn't have such as a Troy or a Data to help him out. Uh, That's it. That's literally all I had on Quick Hitters. Uh, I gave the best actor for this episode to Intercom Flocks, which uh, is him at the end, like being like, "All right, you guys want to stay in there? I'll, I'll go be busy for a while. Whatever." Yeah. Okay. Why? That's not good. It's not good. Uh, worst actor I gave to Sick Malcolm. Yeah. No one can play sick or tired. Yeah, a lot of people. It's because they don't hire real actors. That's the problem. Yes, a lot of people can't play drunk either. I sometimes there's. I don't like seeing people play drunk on TV. Uh, yeah, uh, no, they don't hire real actors. They just they they don't want to spend anything on casting, so they just hire nobodies. I'm looking over what Ben wrote for this episode. By the way, he gave it a total of thirteen points, so he thought this was less than half as good as Faces. I mean, it wasn't good. It's not good. There were no good episodes this no, week. No, I'm really getting tired of the shit weeks where you just like T to B shit, dude. <laughs> it was T to B. Um but this time they're giving us the whole enchilada, but it's a it's a shit enchilada. That's correct. Um Yeah, uh T'Pol's not that educated it seems. Yeah, she doesn't know a lot of shit. He's curious why they bothered to, why the creators of this show decided that we needed to spend uh, 60 seconds of every episode in a shuttle pod on the way to a place discussing the problem. Yeah, agreed. Like, like they could have just, transporters could be working now. Like, (laughs) I know, yeah. It's it's a choice that they made, but it, it just means that every week we have to do this scene. It's not an interesting... Like, there's nothing you can do to make that scene pop. Them uh, sitting in a shuttle pod. He that, still that's doesn't like, like... That's like every scene in every one of the Star Wars prequels. That's how interesting that is. He still doesn't like seeing the um, uh, movie era and later Klingons here, instead of the TOS Klingons. Oh, that's right. He's real TOS uh, yeah. biased. But... Um, I mean, fucking spoiler alert, Ben. It's they're gonna this they're gonna decide they want to explain it in this show, and they're it's not gonna be great. You won't be satisfied with the explanation. Don't worry. I have not seen these episodes, but I have read about it on the German guy's website. So yeah, I know what to expect. That guy and I think alike in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. Except I don't spend so much time trying to figure out what the real size of the Excelsior class starship is based on how many rows of windows you can see. You lie. I think about it, but I don't do it. Okay, good. Um, man, you gave this episode twenty points. Like now, I, I said, I thought it was. I thought what they did was fine. I thought it was boring. I know that you have already defended each of those scores individually. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, 
20. You thought this was better than Angel 1. Count it. You thought this was better than Faces. Oh, take it to the bank, it was better than Angel 1. You thought this was better than The Storyteller. Yes. I agree. I think it was better. You thought this was basically as good as The Conscience of the King, which you scored a single point higher. Which was a garbage episode. It's true, it was a bad episode. I feel fine about it. I feel no regrets about this. So, uh... This is one of the three episodes this week that is going to increase its average score. Oh, look at that! I did it! That's me! Uh... Whereas uh, Deep Space Nine and Voyager both decrease their average scores. I keep, every week I keep shaking my head and saying, what are we going to do with you, DS9? What are we going to do? Yeah. Not DS9 learning your is... lesson. Here's what's wild. DS9 went seven seasons. You know, after this start. <laughs> like, this is, this is 13 episodes. This is half a season. It could have been canceled here. Do you, do you think people were enjoying it in real time? Because... We're kind of doing this in real time, and I'm not enjoying it. I don't... I mean, I feel like... Did we enjoy it in real time? 13-year-old me or 14-year-old me? I forget what year this started. Whatever year season 6 of TNG was. 87, 89. 93? I don't know. May have been 92, so 11-year-old me? Uh, Did not have all of these objections to it? (laughs) That's true, but... Did you enjoy it? Also, and this is inscrutable, kind of had a crush on Dax. Oh. Well, certainly can't based be based on, on based on certainly can't be based on her personality. I have not rediscovered it. No, that spark is gone. Yeah. No, I was never into Dax, but um I'm into her less now. Yeah, I look. <laughs> Much uh, less. Uh I okay. Just, I mean just just uh so another bad week so let's so let's okay so where are we at so here's what happened this week okay uh in last place with 23 points uh is voyager with faces that's because ben scores don't count that's because ben scores don't count that's because races don't count uh coming in second to last fourth place deep space nine with the storyteller not a good episode then the top three are real close together so, coming in at third place, not its best ever showing, but actually a pretty good score. Has it ever scored higher? Yeah, the the week it won, it scored 36 points. This week it scored 35. Okay. Because, uh, and I don't know if I ever mentioned this, I did. You talked me up a point in world building. So you talked me up from a 14 That's to right. a 15. That's right. Uh, is Enterprise with Sleeping Dogs. Okay. Uh, second place, TNG, Angel 1. And the winner this week... Uh, Star Trek, the original series, The Conscience of the King, that, uh, 38 points. It's diapers. It's not a good episode. How did it win? It got lucky. Um, I mean, but on, on sheer points, by the way, it would have won last week also. I know. I watched it. And, and it was the week really before. Bad. So, okay. So I gave and it. And the week before. Oh, jeez. And the week. Not the week before that. So week nine, it would have lost. All right. It's kind of my fault, because I scored it higher. I gave it a 7 on the take. Uh, you did. But listen, I gave it 17 points, which is a decent score for me. Yeah. That's what I scored the highest episode last week, also. And it was terrible. Okay. All right. But this week, I enjoyed Angel 1 for some reason, so I assumed it was going to win. And what does that do to the overall math? So here is where we are. With uh, 13 weeks down, uh, the original series has 5 wins. 
Uh, the next generation is one ahead with six. That's the overall lead. Uh, but it's dropped below 50% again. Okay. Deep Space Nine is still winless. Not a surprise. Uh, Voyager has one win. Enterprise has one win. Okay. Which now are increasingly fluky. <laughs> yep. I really, every week I kind of expect Voyager to pick up a second win. <laughs> it never happens. But, it's, but now it's on this slide, I don't know. Yeah. Like, what's going to happen first? This is what we should do. What'll happen first, Matt? Yeah. Of these three outcomes. Enterprise gets a second win. Mm. Voyager gets a second win. Okay. Deep Space Nine gets a first win. Well, just based on what we've been talking about, I have to agree with you. I think the most likely, based on what we've seen, is that Voyager will collect another win. But yeah, I don't know. They're not doing great right now. They're not. What's? They're not crushing it. Ugh, all right. So, and what about in terms of the scores? Anything interesting there? Just the overall total scores? Uh... I haven't done all of the math yet. Okay, that's fine. It doesn't uh, matter. So I haven't, I haven't totaled it up, but uh, again, like I said, averages are going to go up for the original series, for the next generation, and for uh, Enterprise. Wow. I guess to us, that that means to us, Angel 1 so far has been an above average TNG yeah, episode. Yeah, their average was, uh, was sitting um, before this right at uh, 35.75 points. Mm. Now it's up to... Th- um, well, anyway, it scored 37 points this week, so it'll yeah. be a slight increase. That is an above-average TNG episode so far. Yep, but it's actually very near the average. Yeah. So it's just slightly above average. Um, whereas uh, Deep Space Nine and uh, Voyager are both going down. Yeah. All right, what's next week? Next week, um, Little Ray of Sunshine. Looks like some better episodes, at least for the first two. Those are the uh, only ones we can ever remember. Yeah, I don't. So here, here's what we have. So the for the original series, which is going to be the episode you and I watch last next week. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, you'll watch it last. I'll watch it second to last. Okay. Uh, Balance of Terror. Oh, okay. The, uh, series debut of the Romulans. I'm into it. I'm into it already. Kind of a submarine story, I think, in space. Okay. Uh, for the next generation, uh, maybe a bad episode, but it'll be entertaining. One one zero zero one zero zero one. I cannot wait. Cannot wait. I just based on the amount of things that I typed to you over Hangouts the last time you watched it and the time before that when I watched it. It's Buck Wild. It's a crazy episode. It's it's Buck Wild. Uh, for Deep Space Nine, uh, an episode called Progress. Don't know what that's about, but how could it be worse than the storyteller? <laughs> don't, uh, don't challenge them. It's from Voyager. Uh, Jetrel or Jetrel? Oh, Jetrel? I don't know what to do with that. Jetrel? This is like Cafexis from a couple of weeks ago. That sounds like it's. It sounds like it's the name of a Kazon or something. <laughs> so we'll see. All right. Uh, and uh, Enterprise Shadows of Pajem. So Ooh, continuity. Uh, continuity. Yeah. So that's a, an opportunity for something. Did not help Voyager this week though. And wait, not only is it continuity, but that's the one that they won. The week they won, wasn't that the Andorian incident? Was the Andorian incident, incident. yeah. yeah. So that's, that's true. Maybe this is, they're trying to recapture that. That is true. The salad days of Enterprise. Um, so anyway, looks like a little bit of a better crop. Uh, if we're peeking ahead after that, though, it looks like a bad crop. So uh, week 15, maybe not so much. Um, again, really only know the first two, but it's going to be shore leave. That's not it's just, good. It's not great. No. It's uh, the Rimmer world of the original series. And uh, not the Rimmer world. The um, Angels and Demons. No, shit. 
What's the one? Wax World. There you go. Okay. Uh, and uh, too short a season. Oh. Too, too short a season. That's, That's not um, good. <laughs> the the episode that first made me ask you, what is the Federation? <laughs> there are going to be so many questions. Uh, so that's what, uh, and then uh, the Deep Space Nine episode is called If Wishes Were Horses. Oh, uh, I know that might one. might be the Rumpelstiltskin episode. That is the Rumpel. okay, so, that's the Rumpelstiltskin. So that might at so, least be baffling. So week 15 looks like it could be in a little bit of trouble. Okay, all right. But uh, next week we get all of those maybe maybe better episodes to look forward to, so. Play along with us, uh, Ben. I'm not even going to ask anyone else to. They're not going to. Um, but if you guys have comments, you can tweet us at BrotherDate, and you can find the episodes that you're already listening to uh, at BrotherDate.com, iTunes. Um, anything else? I was going to say Stitcher, but that's not true. We're not on Stitcher. Yeah, so sound, SoundCloud? <laughs> Is that a thing? And also uh, Airwolf? Uh, we have such as a website, so Airwolf. go to BrotherDate.com. You can listen to the episodes there directly. Uh, you can subscribe, and we have a link to this spreadsheet. Uh, so by the time you hear this, I will have finished doing the total. So you'll you'll see what the new, the new average scores and total scores are. Yay! Thanks, everybody. Bye bye. He might be worse than any of the characters on Deep Space Nine. To this point, yeah. Worse than Dax, you think? Uh, yes, because Dax is nothing. Worse than Jake. He's less than Jake. He's less than Jake, actually. <laughs> Subscribe.